77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Let's go to Branson Robinson one more time, and the freshman just scoots in. And Georgia hits the 60 mark. The Georgia Bulldogs bludgeon their way to back-to-back. Glory, glory. Georgia, as the fight song says, leaving no doubt. That's been the mantra. They made it real tonight. We turn now to Capitol Hill and the growing scandal surrounding newly elected New York Congressman George Santos. The Republican has already admitted to fabricating key details about his background, including where he worked, went to college, and even his religion. Well, tonight he's being accused of breaking campaign finance laws. Breaking news. The Department of Justice is reviewing classified Obama-Biden records found at a private office once used by Joe Biden after he was vice president. Three sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discussed about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Penn Biden Center, a foreign policy research institute set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. right here. This is uh, the great Rod Demont Stewart and Jeff Beck. Happy birthday to the great Rod Stewart. He turns 78 years old today. You know, since we started uh, doing this stuff the last couple of days, announcing different musicians' birthdays, yesterday Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin turned 79, and then playing the music, of course, which works out great for us, all of my uh, favorites are getting really old. I mean, late 70s, early 80s. Even Ernie Anastas, who was a great guest on this show yesterday, is pushing 80. I'm like, what What is going on? What do you mean Rod Stewart is 78 years old? Ernie! But that is a a great tune. People get ready as we start the Tuesday edition of the Nielsen-rated number one news talk show in New York City and the self-proclaimed best talk show anywhere in America. And that's right, Alan Snippen. I'm not doing sports. I'm not going to replace Michael Kay at ESPN Radio. I'm staying right here. All you doubters who said Sid should be doing sports, he's okay at news talk, but he's really a sports guy. Number one, what else do I need to do? What else do I need to do? Guys like Bill O'Reilly saying nobody does a better political interview than Sid Rosenberg. O'Reilly, nobody. What else do I need to do? Not going anywhere. This is it. Yeah, that's it, sniffing. That's it, sniffing. We, uh, but we'll do sports for you, Alan, because we don't want you to feel left out. As my dear friend Warner Wolf would say this morning, if he was on the air, if you had TCU and fifty-seven 
and a half. 57 and a half. You lost because the Georgia Bulldogs beat the TCU Horn Frogs by 58 points last night. He, he also would have said, turn your sets off now. Right here. <laughs> yeah, it was 10 nothing Georgia. TCU scored a touchdown, cut it to 10 to 7. And that's where you could have shut your sets off if you're a TCU fan because Georgia went on to score the next 55 unanswered points and demolished TCU 65-7 to in the biggest game of the year. But it goes to show you, the coach over there, Sonny Dykes, has done a great job at TCU. They've got a good quarterback in Max Duggan. But the difference in talent at a school like TCU and Georgia, night and day, Congratulations to Bulldog head coach Kirby Smart. He's now won two consecutive national championships, joins a list of very few. And one of the guys they had doing the game last night sitting there with the rest of the TV guys, Alabama head coach Nick Saban. And Nick Saban, I'm sorry, looked nauseous because for the last 10-plus years, he's been the go-to guy. He has been Mr. Excellence, Alabama Crimson Tide. And to watch Kirby Smart and Georgia win the last two. And and don't forget, Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, they won a couple too. All of a sudden, it ain't all about Nick Saban. And he don't like that. (laughs) So anyway, Georgia gets the win. And we will talk to a very proud Bulldog alma mater. Deborah Norville will join us coming up at 9.05 this morning. It's also the 35-year anniversary of Inside Edition. So Deborah Norville, the biggest Georgia Bulldog fan in the country, she went there, will join us coming up at 9.05. But a lot of news stories to cover. Today is day two of the nurses' strike. Montefiore Hospital, Mount Sinai. Over 7,000 nurses, I believe, walked out yesterday. And you guys know that there was a nurse, and I don't remember her name, But she texted me early Sunday morning, really sent me a direct message on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. That's my Instagram. She sent me a message and said, listen, Sid, we need your help. And um, I guess she thinks I have more power than I've got. But she said, please, we're about to walk out. Can you contact the mayor and help us with this? And I actually copied her message, pasted it, and texted it to Mayor Eric Adams two minutes later. And to the mayor's credit, and this is why I like the guy, it took him five minutes to answer me. And he said, listen, Sid, DSA is a, basically, they're a socialist group. They have zero interest in solutions. All they want to do is fight, fight, fight. We offered these people a salary increase up to 19%, and six or seven other hospitals elected to agree on the new deal. But DSA is making sure that Mount Sinai and Montefiore doesn't do it. And now these poor nurses, Eric Adams said, they're being held captive by their union and not me, not the city. So, I, you know, I um, sent that message over to the nurse, and uh, she said thank you. And Brian Kilmeade, I was talking to about this yesterday. Brian will join me coming up at 640 this morning. And, of course, he does a great job after me, 10 o'clock every morning. He said, Sid. I got to give you credit. You jumped into the fray, which I really didn't do. Somebody contacted me. He goes, you continue to be a power broker in this city. Get that, Snippin? I'm not sitting there talking about potential Metroids in February, you moron. So he says, you become a a power broker in this city going back and forth. He goes, what would be great on your show is to get the union rep 
which I think he's probably going to repeat when I bring him on at 6.40 this morning. Get the union rep and put yourself right in the middle of the city, Mayor Adams, and the nurse strike, and now you can help out everybody. Not a bad idea. So, Macedonia Phil, I want you to go to Justin Ellick and try to get the union rep for the nurses on the show and have him or her explain to me why six or seven other hospitals took the deal and for some reason these two hospitals, Mount Sinai, which I went to, the Morningside, Morningside actually agreed. Morningside agreed uh, when I had shingles. uh, Mount Sinai and Montefiore refused to do a deal. So can you and Justin possibly get that done, Phil, or is that way above your pay grade? No, I'm looking in the phone book right now, but I don't see any, anything under nurse uh, union rep. Right. I can't find it. Phone the, book, yeah. That's not the, the way to go. The yellow pages. Yeah. But I'll continue to look. I'll, I'll, we'll get to the bottom I of this. I don't think you're looking in the right place, uh, Phil. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of places to look, and I'll uh, eventually get to the right one if I just yeah. keep trying. You think you'll get there before the strike is over? Or? Well, all right, don't be impatient here. I'm going to try my best, and that's all we're going to really hope for. Well, then let me talk to Justin, because this seems to be a a bit above your pay grade. If I ask you to get the trainer of the Sacramento Kings, you can make it happen. Hey, uh, Justin, Brian Kilmeade, who will join me at 640 on 10 o'clock every weekday morning. Okay, okay. so uh, what do you think about getting the union rep on, on the program? Yeah, I can try for sure. Do you have any idea how to contact that person? I can definitely way, do just, a better job of figuring it out. By the way, did you just cut me off on my own show and tell me how to do this? No, I'm, like, I'm no, I feel like you. you did. I feel like you said I heard this and stopped talking. So, no, I just already heard you do the whole no, spiel. The, the, the so Justin why do I have to hear you do it again? Actually, cut me up on my own show and tell I me was, how to do this. I was a bit startled. No, I have to say, but I think we. You we son of a you. bitch! You know, I must would have fired you I'm right there for help, that. I'm trying to help you, and now you're yelling at me. I don't. I don't well, you cut me off, and you see, you basically said, "Shut up!" Yeah, no, I heard what you said. Save you time. You were going to go through the whole thing again. I was. Yes. So shut up. Well, maybe you're right. All right. So how are you going to do this? What? How are you going to do it? The internet is a very vast place. We got do, you, do you even know what the nurses... Have you heard of DSA? Sure. You're such a lie. It's un, you lie like Joe Biden. You I, just, why would I lie? You just brought it up five minutes ago. What does DSA stand for? Huh? What does DSA stand for? Uh, Department <laughs> no. of... Uh, You're such a liar. And, uh... It's unbelievable. <laughs> I know what it is, though. All right, it's listen, just make it happen. If you make this happen today... Yeah then I will personally go to John Katzmatidi's office this afternoon and ask for a raise for you. Okay. You I, won't I, get it. I, you're, I, not, I, you're not going to get it. I mean, but you, want, you want the head of the DSA? I want the person that right now is negotiating with the city for the nurses. Okay. Whoever that person is, maybe the head of the DSA, I don't know. All Eric Adams kept harping on. I showed you the text. No, I saw. Three times, DSA, DSA, DSA. He called them a socialist group. Mm. That's pretty intense. All right. Have to wait. There you go. I told you to stop playing that stuff, Louis. I, I, I didn't. Justin did. He interrupted you. So Joe Biden has uh, these classified documents. That's another big story. You know, Donald Trump is still knee deep in this Mar-a-Lago stuff. Don't kid yourself. He is still knee deep in this Mar-a-Lago stuff. I know that for a fact. Well, I can't tell you why. I can't. Even, I want. I want to tell you why so badly. So badly, but I can't. Uh, but Joe Biden, it turns out, has not declassified stuff. At least Donald Trump, the stuff that he had, he claimed at least was declassified. Joe Biden has classified documents at the Biden Center, whatever the hell that is, going back to his days as vice president when Barack Obama was the horrible president that we had. 
So now it looks like Joe Biden has his own Mar-a-Lago situation. This is uh, this is a very, very big story. In fact, let me get this to you. Lou Rafino, this would be cut number 16. This is CBS 2 here in New York, I guess. That's um, Dana Tyler. And who's the guy? The French guy, um, Maurice Uh, Yes, that's right. Yes. CBS 2 New York on this investigation that Joe Biden has classified documents. Once again, cut number 16. Three sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discovered in this building about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Penn Biden Center, a foreign policy research institute set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. According to a source familiar with the matter, the classified documents are small in number and were found in November in a box among unclassified material. Sources would not characterize how sensitive the documents are. Responding to requests from CBS News, the White House counsel said that on November 2nd of last year, before the midterm elections, lawyers for President Biden were cleaning out office space at the center. When they discovered the documents marked classified in a locked closet, they stopped the work and contacted the White House. White House lawyers then reached out to the National Archives, which is responsible for the records. The archives in turn contacted the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland then tasked the U.S. Attorney in Chicago, John Lausch, a Trump appointee, with determining what is in the documents and how they arrived at the Penn Biden Center. The FBI is also involved in the preliminary inquiry, which a source says is nearing its conclusion. There you have it. So you remember last week when Kevin McCarthy went four days and 15 votes, and they wouldn't vote him in as the House Speaker, and guys like Chip Roy are out there nominating somebody new every day. They nominated Jim Jordan. They nominated um, Steve Scalise. I think at one point, Matt Gates actually nominated Donald Trump. One of the guys they nominated, Byron Donalds, I love this guy out of the state of Florida, was on CNN yesterday asking all these questions about why Joe Biden had classified documents in his place. This would be cut number 17. Byron Donalds Lewis, once again, courtesy of CNN. I'm wondering why the vice president of the United States had classified documents outside of the hands of the intelligence community. Listen, it's been pretty clear that presidents do have some classified documents. But the difference between a president and everybody else is the president has the ability to declassify information. The vice president has no ability to declassify information. So number one, what was he doing with classified information in his possession? Number two, why did it take six years? And I want to stress this for the American people. Joe Biden left the vice presidency in 2017. So it's taken six years for these documents to surface. That is incredibly concerning. And point number three, and this is the one that's most important, Everybody can go back to the Hillary Clinton email saga. We know other presidents have had classified information. But why was there a raid on Mar-a-Lago? But now this story just kind of seeps out, and everybody's saying, oh, we just want to get down to the bottom of it. And everybody's giving the benefit of the doubt. A vice president of the United States or a secretary of state or anybody else should not be having classified information, period. Pretty clear that uh, the... The DOJ operates on one set of rules when it comes to President Donald Trump. Here's where I'll defend Donald Trump to the end of days. To the end of days, uh, they operate one way when it comes to him and a complete other way when it comes to Democrats, including, in this case, Joe Biden, 
I would advise you all to stay tuned. So a big Tuesday show about to come your way. My colleague and friend, he's on Fox News as we speak on Fox and Friends. He's on after me, 10 o'clock every weekday morning, Brian Kilmeade. He's always a great conversation. He comes your way at 6.40 this morning. Coming up at 7.40, now on twice a week, 7.40 on Tuesdays and 9.05 on Thursdays. The very entertaining and tough Bo Deedle. Coming up at 8.40, former Newsmax host. He's got a great podcast, great American, Grand Stinchfield. And at 9.05, those Bulldogs, baby, the host of Inside Edition, celebrating 35 years, my friend Deborah Norville. As always, the number 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Once again, happy 78th birthday to Rod Stewart. One segment in the books, this is a Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. so sweet so I turned myself to face me but I've never caught a glimpse how the others must see the faker I'm much too fast to take that test Great David Bowie passed away seven years ago on this date. He died of liver cancer right here in New York City. Changes by David Bowie once again passed away seven years ago today. We're going to get to Brian Kilmeade in about uh, 10 minutes. He's on Fox and Friends as we speak. Follows me every morning, 10 a.m. here on WABC. We did cover the classified documents found at Joe Biden's center. Very similar to the Mar-a-Lago situation. The difference is Donald Trump is persecuted on a regular basis and Democrats do whatever they want. That's the only difference here. Also, Donald Trump's stuff was declassified and Biden's wasn't. So it makes you wonder exactly what the DOJ and Merrick Garland and these people do every day. But this is an old story. Once again, once again, completely different when it comes to Republicans and Democrats. We're still talking about this uh, Governor Abbott situation down in Texas. 
He is all over Joe Biden for these uh, this immigration policy. As you know, Biden went down to the border for about three hours, and he went to the sanitized part in Texas. He did not go to the real dangerous part where he should have gone. It was basically a waste of time between Joe Biden and the VP Kamala Harris. They have not gone to the border yet. They've both gone to sanitized places. They have not gone to the border yet. And the governor in Texas, Abbott, he knows it. He knows it. And now this uh, Mayorkas, who you you have to hope to God that Kevin McCarthy, he promised weeks and weeks ago, if I become Speaker of the House, get ready for all these investigations, whether it's Joe and Hunter Biden, I'm going to kick Adam Schiff off of his committee, I'm going to kick Omar off of her committee, and I want a piece of Mayorkas' ass too. you got to hope that he's honest about that because this Mayorkas not only should be impeached, he should be put in prison. He really should. He was on with George Stephanopoulos this week on a Sunday on ABC, and he's blaming Abbott. He's blaming Abbott for not cooperating with the federal government on the immigration issue at the border. This, Lewis, is cut number one. Governor Abbott uh, is not collaborating with the federal government on an issue that requires collaboration. We cannot have unilateral governor action that is not coordinated with the federal government to address uh, an issue that is of national importance. So here is Doug Collins. This, Lewis, is cut number five. Doug Collins, the former Georgia Republican, former Georgia rep, he goes on to say Biden and Mayorkas, failures. That trip to El Paso reminded me, have you ever got a call about 15 minutes, a friend from out of town has come in your, come into your house and say, hey, I'm stopping by. All of a sudden, you take everything and cram it into the closet. <laughs> well, this is really what the Biden administration's immigration policy is like. They take everything, they cram it into the back room of the closet so nobody sees it, and then when everything goes back to normal, then they just ignore that it's there. They open it up and let it fall out. Look, you've had two years. They have an open border policy. They show no interest in making this happen. Mayorkas is a complete, absolute, abject failure mm. and needs to quit just mm. out of anything else. But this is the problem that, you know, he doesn't see the real thing. And Biden, I think, knows it because we're hearing the reports that he's yelling about it in the White House. But the question is, it's not just knowing something. It's actually doing something about it. So here is the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, repeating what I just said, how the president was only there for a couple of hours. He saw a sanitized view of the border, not the real issue. This is Texas Governor Greg Abbott, Lou Rufino, cut number seven. First, I wanted to make clear uh, that he was receiving uh, a sanitized review of what was going on on the border. And I pleaded with him uh, to go talk to uh, the ranchers, thousands of ranchers Mm -hmm. along the border whose lives are being completely disrupted, uh, as well as talk to the families who've lost a loved one uh, because of uh, the uh, open border policies that he's had where the cartels have killed uh, their family members either through fentanyl uh, or through other means. Yeah, and in fact, Martha McCallum made the point on Fox News yesterday. I like her. She was demoted last year, but I do like her talking about fentanyl and uh, all these drugs coming across the border and killing Americans. The cartel, they basically run the border. This is Martha McCallum, Lou Rapino, cut number six. But today is all about this discussion between the heads of the United States of Mexico and Canada, right? You have Obrador, you have Justin Trudeau. This is an opportunity where we really need Michael Waltz, Congressman Michael Waltz wrote a very good piece on this today, talking about the fact that what they need to focus on is energy production, getting Chinese influence out of South America, and also cracking down on these cartels because neither one of these countries is running the border. The cartel runs 
the border. It's an yeah. embarrassment to governments to the north and south of this border that the cartels mm -hmm. run it. They made $13 billion in human trafficking this year. And the mayor, of course, of El Paso is a Democrat. The Democrat mayor of El Paso, Texas, on CNN, he was asked if Biden really got a look at the border. Even he, even him, the Democrat mayor of El Paso, Texas, said, I don't think so. Cut number 12. Mayor, one question has been about what the president didn't see, because from our reports on the ground, our reporters were with him. He didn't actually come face to face with any of the migrants there. And we know that there are hundreds of migrants, of course. We've seen them sleeping on the streets of El Paso. So did he get a sufficient view of the humanitarian crisis aspect of this? Well, he didn't. <laughs> uh, uh, he didn't. So he, he didn't want to take out the president because, once again, he's a Democrat mayor. But he had no choice. Traffic, sports, and a great conversation with Brian Kilmeade all coming up next. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from Cats at Night, my man John Katsimatidis. Here he's talking with Tom DiNapoli about the state of New York City businesses and New York City Transit. Uh, what percentage of the MTA people going on the subway don't pay? Well, they're losing about $550 million annually. The fair beat is a part of it, but the other part really is, 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 is to the first point that John made. The ridership is still way off. Uh, and the MTA, more than other tr public transit systems in the, in the nation, our MTA is so much more dependent on fare revenue. And that's back to only about, you know, 60, 65 percent, depending on the day, for the subways or, or even Long Island Railroad and Metro North. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. It's my guy Pete Morgan listening right now on his drive back to New Jersey from Pennsylvania. In fact, he offered me uh, Ranger tickets, and I'd go with him to the Ranger game. We'll see. Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check them out today. PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. You just heard me and Joe talking about it. Deborah Norville coming on at 9.05. She's going to talk about it. The Georgia Bulldogs. Did they, in fact, win their second straight national championship under Kirby Smart against TCU last night? You're about to find out. Here's Justin Ellick. Yes, sir. Indeed, they did, Sydney. And based on the score, they probably should have been awarded two trophies because that, that was a ridiculous final score. 65-7 to seven is your finals. The Georgia Bulldogs, they didn't even leave a sliver of doubt in last night's college football playoff national championship game against a clearly inferior TCU team. UGA QB1 Stetson Bennett outplayed his Heisman Trophy finalist counterpart in Max Duggan, going for six total touchdowns in route to the historic win. That's four through the air and two rushing. The Bulldogs are the first back-to-back -back national title winner since Alabama accomplished the feat following the 2011 and 2012 seasons. Now over to local action on the hardwood last night. It was just the Knicks in action as they fall at home to the Milwaukee Bucks by a score of 111 to 107. New York was up as much as 17 points in this one, but the Bucks rallied in the second half to steal a win from the jaws of defeat. So the Knicks will take the loss into a date with the Indiana Pacers come tomorrow night at the Garden. Looking ahead to local action tonight, you got a triple header on the ice. The Devils are out in Carolina taking on the Hurricanes at 7 p.m. Also at 7 p.m., the Rangers are welcome in the Minnesota Wild to the Garden, and the Islanders, they'll welcome the Dallas Stars out to the island at 7.30. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, thanks to Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC.
I've been hearing a lot about Lang Insurance. They sell luxury home insurance to high net worth individuals in all 50 states. Call Kevin Lang at Lang Insurance. Call 866-964-4434. He's an expert in reviewing your current coverage to save money, leaving you with your current insurance company or moving you to a less expensive one. Clients rave about his skills. You call, they quote, you save. That's 866-964-4434 or just visit langins.com. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Here on the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show in America, we are sitting friends, Talk Radio 77, WABC. And following me every morning at 10 o'clock, you know him, does a terrific job. He's on now with me here once a week. Brian Kilmeade, also part of that great Fox and Friends cast on Fox News. And his own show, Saturday Night's One Nation, is a tremendous show, but not a bunch. Here he is, uh, my dear friend once again, Brian Kilmeade, on a Tuesday morning. Good morning, Brian. Hey, what's going on, Sid? Uh, a lot going on. I want to start with this. I got a text on Sunday morning right before the football games from a nurse, and she happens to work at Mount Sinai Hospital. And she said, Sid, listen, we're going to walk out tomorrow. We need your help. I said, my help? She said, yes. I know you're friends with the mayor. Please help us get this deal done. So I took what she sent me, Brian, I copied it and pasted it and texted it right to the mayor. Adams got back to me in about two seconds, and he said this. He says, Sid, DSA is not about bonding solutions. They're about the fight. He said, I'll send you the list of hospitals that settled 18% raise for three years and a host of other packages. I strongly support the nurses, but unfortunately their union has been infiltrated by a radical socialist group. His point was seven other hospitals actually settled. They liked the deal. For some reason, Mount Sinai and Montefiore did not. Don't blame it on us. Blame it on their union. And I got to tell you, Brian, I believe the mayor. Yeah, well, I I didn't get into the details of it. Uh, I do know these two hospitals are holding out. I mean, it's so bad. They're they're rerouting ambulances. They're telling women, don't go there to give birth. I mean, this is serious stuff. Uh, So protest outside, telling everyone to go to NYU, Langone, Lenox Hill. So uh, I would know this. Uh, I mean, I'll go to the mayor. He's he's doing it on a daily basis. He knows when you look across if somebody doesn't want to negotiate. You know, you and I remember this because we had nonstop strikes in football, basketball, and baseball for about 15 years. And we always heard both sides. You know, that was sports and people out of business and concessionaires paid the price. The players never recouped their money and the owners uh, seemed to benefit the most. So that was more into the nitty-gritty of. I'm not into this. I will say the subset of this, though. I do think it's unbelievable how the, how the nurses got kicked to the curb uh, when COVID-19 calmed down, when they wouldn't take that vaccine, and nobody went to bat for them all. They just fired a whole bunch of great nurses. So uh, in that respect, I felt like, where was the union then? Well, where was the union going about? So you cannot get rid of Sloan Kettering nurses who have been there for 20 years because they, they have natural immunity and they don't want to take a shot, which we now know went from 92% effectiveness, 96% effectiveness. Now it's down to about 46%. And they say, well, now it just focuses on symptoms. So I, I love the fact that you took that information. You're trying to solve a problem. 
the the mayor was able to bring you inside that information. You know, what I think the next step is Sid, get a hold of the union rep, put her on, put him or her on your show, let them know how they're being viewed by the mayor, and to let them get their point out. Let's blow this thing up today on ABC. <laughs> uh, that's a great idea, hey, Justin. Justin, take down what Brian just said. Make a call. Get that uh, union rip on. Let's figure this thing out today. I saw a report that uh, came out, I guess, over the last couple of days. You know, we we spend so much time, Brian, just trashing New York, the crime and the homeless and the filth and the taxes. And it turns out that there's been a poll taken recently that has New York as one of the more favorable places in the country to raise your family. Now, it's ironic that later on today, the governor, Kathy Hochul, will do her annual State of the State, and I'm sure she's going to take credit for a whole bunch of stuff when, in fact, she may be the worst governor in the history of our state. But how about that? On the day of the State of the State, it turns out New York, not a bad place to live. Call it to Wallet Hub. Uh, they say it's a great place to live. They even have it down uh, ranked high for uh, affordability, which is you know, that's clearly not New York. I mean, that's one of the reasons why Mayor Adams is trying to build, what is it, 500,000 new homes or, or apartments here and make all these buildings because he's got to build more places to live to get the prices down. So I, I don't know what they what kind of uh, calculus they're using uh, for affordability. I mean, is it, it, did we do the did me or you do the math? <laughs> who did that math? I mean, affordability according to what? Uh, we have, you know, the, the whole thing that people point out to, how many millionaires and, so, and a handful of billionaires we've lost when people just said they have no interest in keeping us here. They vilified us. Remember what Kathy Hochul said? Basically, uh, if you don't like it here, get going. Leave. Yep. And Mayor Adams quickly said, I need you back. So, and she has walked that back since. But a whole bunch said, yeah, no problem. I'll leave. And, you know, I was talking to a publisher yesterday, and they said one of the main reasons they were able to hire is they don't make their people come to New York. So they've hired people and left them in the Midwest. Uh, they left them in the cities that they're in, and they Zoom with them every day. And they said, that's how we're keeping our talent. So even though it's the best city, the most fun in so many ways, and I like this study, and I used it on the Talk of New York. Uh, you'll hear it. Uh, uh, no doubt about it. I love it. And I do know New York offers a lot. If you go to Long Island, you go out to East, if you say you just want to feel like you're on vacation, you take, you go to Long Island. You go to Montauk, you might as well be uh, uh, in another state. Yeah, of course. So upstate yep. is like Iowa. Yep. New York City is like no other. So I know we could drive and get to a lot. I just think that we know, you and I know the potential and where this city was and where the state was and what it could be if they let fracking in upstate New York and let these cities thrive. You know, you saw what Cooperstown did to Cooperstown, the town. You saw what the track did to Saratoga. You could imagine what the casino could do to Queens, perhaps, or, or to 42nd Street could help even more. I'll tell you, Rosa, actually, Rosa, I, actually Staten way. Island, uh, that's the place to put it. They've got that Ferris wheel deal going on for years and years down by the the ballpark that John Katsimatidis owns, the Staten Island Ferry Hawks, and the Brooklyn, the, excuse me, the Staten Island Borough President Vito Pasella is on record saying, "Hey, get me a casino there. That would be a great spot for a casino." But either way, you're right, Brian. Three or four casinos in the New York area will only help generate revenue, and that is a good idea. So there are some spots here where New York can improve. Let's hope that we do it. I want to get to two national stories quickly. Joe Biden visited the border. It was about three hours. <laughs> sanitized right. border at that. Are you giving the president credit for, quote-unquote, visiting the border? Uh, I, w I would be mad at his staff unless he insisted. I would say, listen, guys, why'd you send me down there 
and you basically cleaned the whole place up, there was absolutely nothing to see. It's like if you went to a hurricane and going to the part of town that was not hit. You never do that. You go to the worst, and you get the family that needs the most help. Go to the center that's overcrowded and say, you know, we got to handle this. I want to go to the place where the most traffic is, and I want to see this. That's what a leader does. Instead, they mop the place up. We have videos before and after how they got rid of the tent cities. We put a reporter uh, in the El Paso sector that was getting hundreds of people every 20 minutes that were pushed and ferried to a certain direction. They also picked up a bunch of squatters and brought them back to Mexico until the president left. So this, I'll give him credit for going eventually, but he got worn out, beaten up on it. But here's here's the major thing. They actually he's in Mexico right now where the where the army is basically losing to the cartels. They shot at a passenger plane last night. They forced down two military planes. They've killed about 25 soldiers all because they uh, they arrested El Chapo's son who's running these cartels. Can you imagine if the mob was more powerful uh if the more powerful than the White House? That's what we're witnessing. That's what we're dealing with. If we really wanted to get down on this, we got to supply backup to the Mexican government, who should be asking us for it to a degree, to help take down the cartels who are killing every, uh, killing us all with fentanyl and with human trafficking dollars. So that, to me, is something serious. I love the fact that a bipartisan delegation went down there. You got some Chris Coons and uh, Senator Murphy of Connecticut. Uh, you have uh, Senator Kelly went down. And when they got to come back and just say, listen, we've got to enforce this border and stop uh, and stop playing games. Did you see at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they actually set up a a, a drug-sniffing dog to yep. go into a van and take out drugs? <laughs> wow. I can't get that at every police academy throughout America. The president's acting amazed as he looks inside the, the cab of a pickup truck when a dog found drugs. They do that in Mississippi. They don't need to see that at the border and we're going and you have all those people going look at how amazed the president is no i saw that <laughs> i know i know I, I, listen poor joe biden it's uh day-to-day like a like a sports injury like carlos correa going back to minnesota probably it's day-to-day with the president joe biden what about the documents they found in his closet i know in pennsylvania I, well is, is this like another mar-a-lago situation yeah. for joe biden this is what i'm encouraged about said cbs and nbc reported it that first came on i got the alerts from two other networks not ours and they actually cbs said that uh, the attorney general appointed a U.S. attorney that Trump put in place in Chicago to look at the documents independently. So they say they're all classified documents. And by the way, in a locked closet. When's the last time you saw a locked closet? Believe me, there was no locked closet. Joe Biden was sitting there at the Biden Center, which if it, uh, a think tank in the Biden Center, they, those, are, those are two things that don't go together, thinking in Joe Biden. And he goes there <laughs> since 2017. He files away documents that you can't even declassify as vice president. At least the president says I declassified him by the power vested in me in the Trump style. But you can't even pretend to say I declassified him. So, okay, Mr. Biden, what's your explanation? Wow, this is going to be uh, some serious stuff. There it is. Brian Kilmeade. That may be the story of the day. 60 seconds to go. You and I both diehard sports fans. I know that you saw the Ian O'Connor story. Bill Love Parcells it. is is uh, heaping praise on Brian Dable. That's all great. But Bill Parcells won two Super Bowls. Brian's won nothing but nine regular season games. And now a big playoff game in Minnesota. The Giants nearly beat the Vikings on the road a couple of weeks ago. Joseph hit a 61 yard at the end of regulation to win it. Giants are a three-point dog, 430. Sunday afternoon in Minnesota. Very easy question, Brian Kilmeade. Do the Giants move on 
and take on the Eagles or the 49ers in round two? I'm predicting yes, and you're not going to believe it. I'm going to base it off the way they played against the Eagles. Why do I say that? Because they could, they could believe their best effort, and they were destroyed by the Eagles. They were just outclassed. They were outplayed. And then they go out and put in uh, Davis Webb, uh, and they say, listen, guys, we're not, you know, we're not going to play Saquon. I'm just looking to stay healthy. 22-16. And it was a game the Eagles had to win. And I'm saying to myself, this team has learned to be a team. Uh, and they wanted to prove to their coach they're never going to roll over. They got character. And remember, I, I do remember, Bill Parcells' first year taking over for Ray Perkins after he went back to Alabama. Uh, no one, uh, basically, he, I think he won three games. His mom died, his dad died the same year, and they started going after, do you remember this? Howard Schnellenberger, uh, he was retired from the University of Miami after winning all those championships, I think with Jim Kelly. No, uh, no, and- by the way, no, no, I actually went to Miami. Uh, my college, 1984, in Coral Gables. Schnellenberger was the coach. The four quarterbacks on the roster, Jim Kelly, Bernie Kosar, who won the championship with Schnellenberger when they beat Nebraska, Vinny Testaverde, and Mark Richt, who went out to coach Georgia. Those are the four quarterbacks Amazing. on the roster for Schnellenberger in Miami. So so they, oh, they couldn't come to uh, do a deal with him. So Parcells came back for another year and said, I'm going to be myself. And he became Bill Parcells. And first he was trying to be somebody else, be everyone's friend. He couldn't do it. Uh, he ended up being himself. That's what he said about Dable. He goes, Dable is himself. And he shows he cares about players while being tough with them. That's just it. People think when you yell at somebody, you're mad at them. No, you want more out of them and you believe in them. And he saw those same qualities in Dable that he tried to relay. Be yourself, be tough, but show them you care. And when Galladay got that, I know he gets $72 million. I know he's been uh, totally unproductive. But he gets a touchdown and Dable hugs him and says he's proud of him, and those are the type of things where maybe he'll get that talent out and the confidence back. That's stuff I love about sports. True, and uh, Galladay not that far removed from being an all-star wide receiver with the Lions in Detroit. Hey, uh, Brian, as always, this is a tremendous conversation. We'll all be listening at 10 o'clock when you take over. Enjoy Fox and Friends. Great job. We'll see you again very, very soon. Thank you, buddy. Get those nurses back to work, Sid. It's on you. (laughs) You got it. You got it. He laid down the gauntlet, Brian Kilmeade. I will respond. More of Sid and Friends in the morning right after this. So you grab a piece of something that you think is gonna last Well, you wouldn't even know a diamond if you held it in your hand The things you think are precious I can't understand Are you reeling in the years? Stowing away the time Are you gathering up the tears? Have you had enough of mine? Are you reeling in the years? This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Oi. Oi. You know, Frank, you're so good <laughs> at this. <laughs> Would you, uh, and I don't know whether they've got a, uh, a uh, whatever we call it, uh, uh, Come on, uh, somebody who works with me on stage. Have they asked you to to be on stage with me? Uh, 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 would you would you consider it? Are, are you kidding me? Wild horses couldn't stop me from uh, from doing so. I would love I'll make it. Make that suggestion well. as soon as this uh, interview is over. It's over now. And, uh, hopefully, they'll get in touch with you because you're so good. 
your knowledge, your uh, your uh, interest are so entertaining. I'm entertained by it. So I'd love to be on stage with you when we're in uh, in New Jersey. believe it pat benatar is 70 today <laughs> we started the show by playing people get ready jeff peck and rod stewart rod stewart is 78 today jimmy page led zeppelin 79 yesterday they're all pat benatar 70 years old today love is a battlefield damn, damn lewis you know what's actually sad too one of my friends told me this the other day they were gonna see more Unfortunately, past yes, of course. Like in the ne- every year now, there is big hey, names. Man. When you live long enough, the good news is you're still alive. Thank God. The bad news is <laughs> you're gonna see a something. lot of folks die, yeah. yeah, including your own family members, like my father. Right. That was uh, Bill Shatner, and he won't go. He's no, not he's like a hundred years old. Bill Shatner, he's like a hundred, and of course, uh, most famous for his role as Captain Kirk in. In uh, what I believe is the worst television show ever. Oh, you are insane. No, I don't want to. I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, Eddie Scazzaria. Please, please. I'm, Start not Eddie, I'm not Eddie Scazzaria, okay? Oh, you're I, close. I don't, I don't go to conventions and put on Spock ears. He did do that, Eddie, yes. Right. I'm yeah. not him. I don't name my team, no. my basketball teams, after a, a game that they played in it on the Enterprise. He did do that, yeah. yes. yes. So, okay, so he's worse than you, but you're still bad. No, it was not. a horrendous show. No, the acting was, was awful. No, it wasn't. Bill Shatner was one of the worst actors ever. He's not ever. one of the worst actors. Oh, no. one of the worst ever. He's not, not a horrible show. No. Lawrence Olivier and Bill Shatner, right? One and two. <laughs> yeah, right. <Spock. laughs> yeah, sure. Love is dead. Well, it's fine. There's still millions of people out there that love Star Trek, and Murano's one of those guys. And so he gets Bill Shatner on, and Frank happens to be a great entertainer, great, and a terrific radio host. I say it all the time. I've said it on the air a million times. There's only about three or four people at this station. I'll, I'll exclude John because he's just a genius. There's only about three or four that are really good, really good radio guys, entertainers. Frank is one of those. And uh, he gets Bill Shatner on, and Bill loved him. So Bill is doing a screening, this is unbelievable, for The Wrath of Khan. (laughs) (laughs) You can't make it up. So that movie's like 40 years old. Like, Ricardo Montalban is dead. Leonard Nimoy is Everybody's dead, you know. Um, But they're doing a screening of it. In Red Bank, New Jersey, and in Englewood, New Jersey, on Feb 10 and 11, and Shatner is going to be up on stage taking, like, questions from the audience. (laughs) So he goes to Frank, he goes, how about you stand next to me and we do it together? Frank's like, oh, my God, I just orgasmed. Oh, he just, he, everything well. on that console probably exploded <laughs> underneath, his, over his lap. But I'm happy for Frank, because he really does love that guy. And Frank is, a, like I said, a great entertainer <laughs> and a super guy, so. Frank's going to end up giving his eulogy probably when Bill, Bill Shatner, yeah. Yes. Well, nobody else likes him. Uh, Bill can't get his, his wife to do it because she died in a swimming pool and every with person, no answers for that one, by the way. Every person who's ever worked with him hates him. Too. Oh, they hate his guts. They say he's like the biggest jerk-off ever, Bill Shatner. So, Frank, no. you can speak. 
for me at this. <laughs> and Shatner. you are an organic form of life. I'm like, what Spock has told us in the past. I used to listen a lot to uh, the gay guy on uh, Howard Stern show. He's still on all <laughs> yes. the time. Sula was on, not Sula. What? Yes, it was George Takei. Yeah, George Takei. I think he's still on Stern show. I don't know. But he was he was very flamboyant and colorful and fun. He's another horrible actor. I mean, he was on the horrible. He's on The Apprentice, I think. Yeah, he was on The Apprentice. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you're you're, yeah. you're that gay guy. You're that gay guy. Uh, you're George Takei. <laughs> what did you do on The Enterprise? You're terrific. You're I actually missed that show. I think uh, while he uh, before he becomes president again, and we can only hope to God he does, Trump. He should do the show again. Bring it back. He fired Andrew Dice Clay way too early. And then he fired my friend Gilbert Gottfried. He's dead now, too. <laughs> he's killing people. He's, that's right. He's killing them. Oh, my God. It's terrible. Life is not what is expected on the Trump show. And you, Frank Morano, could, could be there and speak with me. So Morano's got these uh, two screenings coming up, and that uh, paves the way for me to talk about myself, which I love doing, of course. If you're on my Instagram page last night, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or my Facebook page, you would have seen... That uh, two days after Frank is done on stage with Bill Shatner, February the 13th, my sister Elizabeth, my baby sister Lizzie, living in Parkland, Florida, her birthday, day before Valentine's Day, finally will be the screening for a movie that I took off a full week for last year. You may remember last March, I missed a full week of shows. Thank God Bernard, God rest his soul, was still alive, and he was here to co-host that week with a, a bunch of other folks. And um, I went to Los Angeles to shoot this movie, Gemini Lounge. Stayed at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which was lovely, with Danielle and Gabriel. And um, went to shoot this movie. Danny A., who is a great writer, director, producer, actor, he uh, made this movie, him and Gustavo, about the actual bar in Brooklyn, Run by Roy DeMeo, Gambino Crime Family, where they had the bar downstairs and on the second floor upstairs, they had an apartment where they chopped up bodies. They would kill somebody and take the body back to that apartment above the bar and chop them up in the bathtub. A big deal. Murder Incorporated. I think it was right on Flatlands Avenue. I think Canarsie. So Danny makes a movie about it. And uh, thanks to really to Bo Deedle and Heshi Organbaum. Bo is a great actor. Bo's going to join me coming up this morning at 7.40. I've now decided to have Bo on twice a week, 7.40 every Tuesday and 9.05 every Thursday. That's how, that's how good he is. So Bo, who's a great actor, I mean that sincerely. Everything he does, he's really good. Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, Gravesend. Uh, he was in uh, Mob Town. He was in uh, the, the Godfather of Harlem. He's really good. I look up to Bo in that respect. So Bo and Heshi invited me to some screening that Danny A. had a couple of years ago. He made a movie. It was kind of a, a cute romantic love story. And I went to the screening, and I got there early. I was the first person there. And uh, Danny walks up to me. I had no idea who he was. And he says, hey. I said, hi, uh, I'm Sid. We had spoken earlier in the day on the phone. We had never met. And I told him on the phone, I said, listen, when you meet me, you're going to find out that I've got the look. You know, I'm bald, I'm tan, I'm muscular, I dress well. And if you're making a movie... I'm the right guy. So I meet him. I say, hey, I'm Sid. He goes, man, you're right. You do have the look. And sure enough, after that night, he said, we're making a mob movie. It's about that Brooklyn Bar Gemini Lounge. I got a role for you. I said, really? Come on. Now, at the time, I was already taping Gravesend, the mob TV show that Willie DeMeo created. I play Dave Busco, 
part of the Miami crime family alongside Andrew Dice Clay and others. So I had done a couple of scenes for that, but never done a major motion picture. And he's like, yeah, we're going to put you in jail. I'm like, come on. So sure enough, I went, uh, like I said, last March, went to L.A., shot a full week of scenes, which were really, really good, alongside guys like uh, Emil Hirsch, who's a big-time actor, Jake Cannavale, Bobby Cannavale's son, uh, Greg Finley, Jeremy Luke, Lucy Hale, who's got 25 million followers on Instagram, 25 million, Robert Davi, shot scenes with all these folks, and left. That was last April, and have heard very little since about the movie. Well, it turns out it's here. The screening is coming up February the 13th at a place to be determined today or tomorrow, a hotel in New York City. And to say I'm excited, Lou, would be an understatement. To actually see myself, I don't have a huge role. You know, I'm not the star. That's Danny or Emil or or Lucy Hale. But I've got a big enough role. And both said he saw some of the scenes. And he lies to me. I know he does because he tries to be nice. But he said it looked great. So just to be in a couple of scenes in a real movie, according to Danny A., he said, this is the best mob movie since A Bronx Tale. He said, Sid, I'm telling you, it's going to be a major success. So just have my name in the credits and to be in these scenes with these other actors, it's a pretty big deal. Now, who's directing this? Uh, Danny A. Okay. Yeah. He's on Mob Town. He's done... He was in the Maya Lansky movie. He's a really, really talented young guy. So this is more exciting than what Frank Morano is going to experience. I would from, say yeah, so. Right. Yeah, I'm actually in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a dimension unlike your own, Sid, you will be excited. Yeah, excited. I guess. Yeah. And then, uh, you guys want to come? I don't know how many seats I've got at this screening, but it's February the 13th. It's the day after the Super Bowl. Monday. Monday night, yeah. Okay, I'm coming. You're coming? Where is it? In the Did city. You- yeah. I don't know what place yet. They haven't determined that yet. Okay. So I'll just sleep right in the back of the control room. I'm fine. All right. That's fine. I uh, want to go. Yeah, you do want to go? Yeah. Because yeah, you say go. no to everything I ask no, you no, to go No, no, I want to see the movie, and I want to go and, and, uh, and support you. But yeah. why this now? I don't understand. All these other mean? events I've asked you to go to over the, all these events for two years. You New said Year's no. resolutions. What do you mean? What, what, name three events you've asked me to go to that I've said no to. Oh, come on. Help me out here, Lewis. Time and time again, I'm like, Justin, come with me. He doesn't come. I, I don't remember them specifically. Your birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese? No, he didn't come to that. one. I could, I could think of one, but I can't talk about it on the <laughs> I just know we've had, you and Phil are both like, no, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. I've gone to almost everything you've done. You've gone to nothing. That's not true. No, you've got, I, oh, I know what it was. I asked you to come to the book signing at the restaurant in Brooklyn. It's, it's been book signing. Okay. Yes. A that, lot that's of, true. Every one of my book signings, Pearl that's River, true. Brooklyn, right. Long Island, you turned them all down. I apologize. I'll make it up to you. I'll go to this. No, but why this? I'm saying I'm trying to find because out. Because this doesn't require much. This requires me to walk in, sit down, no, and watch it. No, because a movie. this is cool because no, you're going to see Lucy Hale. Yes, and that's Emil true. Hirsch, that, that's true. That's and your boy's in a movie, oh. so this is cool. Right, and I'll look all like handsome and stuff, and then I'll go up to Lucy Hale and she'll be like, wow, I always wanted a normal Jewish boy. Sure. And then you'll go to Danielle, he'll make you the star of his next film, right? Exactly. By the way, it's Guy Gustavo. I can see that, actually. No, I can't see any <laughs> I of that. I can see all I, that happening. I can't see any of that happening. I can see him saying, like, yeah, I got a, a, a part with a bo- for a box boy. And you'd be no, perfect. I can't even no? see that. No, okay. but it's his no, guy, Gustavo, who uh, Bo knows very well, who also helped write and direct Gemini Lounge. He's got a new script out for a sci-fi thriller, and he actually sent me the script last night and promised me a role in this movie, too. Wow. So I may be part of this. Uh, it's kind of like the, the Rat Pack, the Brat Pack, the Danny A. Bunch. 
And it looks like I'll be making my second movie. It's a tan pack. <laughs> yeah, that's a tan a, pack. That's a good bunch to be a part I of. I know. Just tell he, me about he's it. He's going to be making movies for a while. A long time. He's a young guy. He's made a bunch already, and they've all had success. This one could be a huge success, Gemini Lounge. So I got the new script last night, but I can't get excited about that yet because I can't wait to see Gemini Lounge. Again, a lot of folks have contacted me the last year or so who live in Brooklyn, who know the bar very, very well. It's not a fictional bar. It was for real. So a lot of Brooklyn folks know exactly where the bar was, what happened there, and uh, it's a cool local story. Yeah. Yeah. I remember printing out the entire movie script for you, <laughs> like on consecutive days a week. Yeah. Yeah. And but, then you, I gave you a, a yellow highlighter to find yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like 300 pages, <laughs> yeah. got like six lines. Yeah. You're, going, you're like, find, <laughs> yeah. find my six find lines. Find Dracula. <laughs> uh, uh, so like, uh, the, like the idiot I am, I'm flipping through the actual physical pages. And then I realized, to. But then I realized I have the electronic version, and I could just go and do, you know, I can control F on oh, the I didn't computer. Know that. I didn't and, know that And either. I could just search for Dracula. Oh, really? Yeah. I and, didn't even know that. And then all your lines just yeah. pop right up. Right. And then, of course, but I'm in a lot of scenes where I don't speak. I'm actually bartending. Right. At the bar, and like there'll be a scene with Emil Hirsch, there'll be a scene with Robert Davi, there'll be a scene with Cannavale's kid, any one of those. Emil Hirsch is in this. Where yeah. Is that the kid from The Girl Next Door? Exactly yes, right. Exactly right. And, and by that's the way, I gotta go. and I serve him his drinks, and him and I talk in the movie. I have lines with Emil Hirsch, and that's kind of a big deal. Cool. Yeah, he, not only Girl Next Door, he made one other really, oh, he was in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hollywood. Oh, yes, he yeah. was. That was a very, very big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. This is huge. Huge. Wow. I don't have, again, I don't have a big role, but I have a big enough role where Danny said, and I quote, you make an impact in this movie, and we will bring you on our next film project as well. So, very exciting. You could be the killer, maybe. Who knows? We'll see see how big it really is when uh, when you find out how many tickets you have. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Because I have like 30 people already on my Instagram page, like 30 or 40. I want to come, I want to come, but I have no idea if I can do it. Uh, One more thing that has nothing to do with Hollywood. Again, you guys know that that nurse from Mount Sinai contacted me, and I did my part. I contacted Mayor Eric Adams literally five minutes after she texted me, and he got right back to me. So now I guess I've set a precedent. I'm not going to mention this lady's name, but I just got another private message on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, and it reads this. Good morning, Sid. While I don't want to make this a precedent, can you possibly ask Mayor Adams where the contract is for the NYPD. There has not been a settled contract since 2017. We hear nothing. I'm not minimizing the jobs of our nurses. They're all heroes, just like our cops. Can you imagine if the blue walked off the job? Love you, Sid, and your morning show. You're the best and your entire crew. So now I got nurses sending me messages to help with their strike, and now some lady asking me to see what I can do about the NYPD and the fact they haven't gotten a new contract in six years. I don't know, Lou. You're going to be... <laughs> we're going to start just calling you Godfather. <laughs> I'm going to run this city. Willie DeMeo says he runs his joint. I'm going to run this city. So... Sid Ferris, my rent is so high. <laughs> Would you please talk to the landlord for me? Please? So I, I want, want this lady to know that I've already copied and pasted her message to the mayor, Eric Adams, and I expect a response, usually five to ten minutes. So now I'm working for the nurses and the NYPD. And this is why, folks, when you morons out there, and you're morons, I don't take it back, I don't feel badly, you're morons, get angry that I have a relationship with the mayor. This is why, because everyday New Yorkers, everyday New Yorkers, just like you and I, 
who've got everyday problems don't always have a voice. And if I can be that voice, then my God, it's worth waking up. What do I care if you don't like the mayor, you moron? I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you. Godfather. See, I got it. Thank you. I pegged it. You got it? I pegged it. So on one hand, you're helping some people. The other hand is, you other morons don't yeah. get what I'm doing. Well, they are morons. I mean, even my daughter, I wake up this morning, 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm uh, getting ready to shower. So I check my Instagram every morning, and I see Ava Rosenberg all over my Instagram page. She's in Europe. She's in college. And I see Ava is fighting with these idiots. And one or two of them actually opened their mouth to my daughter. If I saw them in real life, I'd punch them in the effing face. I would knock them out. Maybe they don't realize it's my daughter. Maybe they don't care. Everybody's, uh, you know, a tough guy uh, behind, the, uh, behind the keypad. Everybody is. But Ava's like, hey, at least my dad is doing something. My dad's out there feeding the homeless, and you guys are ripping him? At least he's doing something. What do you do, you loser? I mean, exactly wow. like a father. <laughs> That's exactly. Great. That's good job. Okay. Isn't that great? That's great. So I texted her this morning. I said, sweetheart, you're in college. You're in Europe. I know you've got tests. You've got important things to do. You don't have to fight my battles. I love you. Thank you. She's like, no, daddy. These people are idiots. You're great. I'm so proud of you. And, and that's all I needed to hear. I'd much rather have Ava proud of me than some putz who works at the fire department sending me some nasty messages from Brooklyn. She's going to have to turn off her account. That's what she, she, I know. she can't do it. Yeah. She's got to stay out of it. Because then they're going to start bombarding her with nasty stuff. Yeah, I know. These idiots are they're gonna, idiots. I know. Yeah. I mean, they're seriously, idiots. folks, grow up. Grow up. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Still to come this hour, once again, the great Bo Deedle. In the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to a guy I really enjoy, Grant Stinchfield. He's great. In the 9 o'clock hour, Deborah Norville, host of Inside Edition, heard Georgia Bulldogs rolled last night, beat TCU by 58 points to win the national championship. Keep it right here. This is hour number two of Sitting Friends in the Morning only on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Tuesday, President Biden's three-hour visit to the southern border on Sunday was a predictable fiasco. First, local El Paso authorities removed migrants who were camping out in public spaces. Then the governor of Texas gave Mr. Biden a letter saying that his visit was, quote, two years and $200 billion too late. Border Patrol union officials also excoriated Mr. Biden for failing to enforce immigration law, leading to mass suffering and death. Biden himself went through the motions but couldn't wait to get out of there. He had nothing meaningful to say as the disaster pretty much speaks for itself. In a country where citizens cared about problem solving and respect for law, President Biden would be under intense scrutiny. Unfortunately, America is no longer that country. Don't even ask about the corrupt corporate media, true partners in crime, so to speak, with the president and the Democratic Party. At his inauguration two years ago, Joe Biden took an oath to uphold the laws of the United States. He obviously has not done that as far as immigration law goes. That's grounds for impeachment far more than some dumb phone call made to the Ukrainian president that Donald Trump did. But again, we are not a nation of laws any longer. 
Today, we are a country without conviction or justice. The USA desperately needs a course correction, and not only on the southern border. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Rod Stewart, 78 years old today. Hot legs. Happy birthday, Rod. I got a message here from Kevin O. Merchata. Once again, at Rosenberg.Sydney on Instagram. He says, any chance of mentioning Detective Stephen McDonald today? I love Stephen McDonald. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Today is the six-year anniversary of his passing. To be fair and honest, he is my brother-in-law. My wife is his baby sister. So uh, rest in peace. Stephen McDonald, and I know uh, he was a cop who got shot here, of course, here in New York. I'm sure Bo knew him. Bo's coming up next. And I'm a diehard Ranger fan, been invited to go again to the Ranger game tonight. Rangers and Wild by Pete Morgan. Can't tell you how many times I saw McDonald. Don't forget, for three years, I actually coached the Christopher Reeve Foundation celebrity hockey game at the Garden. And uh, it was me up against, at the time, uh, any one of those Z100 guys. Elvis Duran, Paul Cubby Bryant, they coached the other team. And like I said, I did it for three consecutive years. Coached people like uh, the kid who played Bailey, Scott Wolf. Uh, coached uh, the guy who played Angel, Michael Boreanis, uh, Rick Moranis, Gary Delabate, Ron Duguay, Kim Alexis. I had uh, one year I had my uh, two assistant coaches were the kid who played Meadow on the Sopranos, uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler. And uh, Susan Sarandon. I mean, it was just Tim Robbins was there. It was a big deal. And I did it for three straight years. And then, of course, we lost both Christopher and his wife, Dana, who never smoked a cigarette in her life but died from lung cancer. But I would see Stephen McDonald at the Garden all the time. So God rest his soul. Six years ago today, we lost Stephen McDonald. Folks, join the 77 WABC VIP Club by downloading the app or going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. This week, you've got a chance to win a WABC beanie. Keep your head and ears warm this winter in a timeless WABC beanie. 
Join the 77 WABC family as every week we're giving away prizes to our 77 WABC VIP members. Prizes include live event experiences, celebrity meet and greets, signed memorabilia, concert tickets, and more. This week, once again, a lucky 77 WABC VIP member will be chosen to receive a WABC beanie. Sign up for the uh, 77 WABC VIP Club by downloading the app or by going to wabcradio.com slash VIP. You'll also receive a special members-only newsletter and be automatically entered for a chance to win each week's 77 WABC VIP prize. Become a 77 WABC VIP like me. Bo Deedle coming up next. Also traffic and sports. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Great song, Bad, 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 Leroy Brown, the great Jim Croce. Today's his birthday, too. He's long dead. Did he die in a plane crash? He died in a plane crash, yeah. He did a Time in a Bottle, a few others. Hey, remember we used to have these uh, these two chicks on me and Bernie Diamond and Silk? Two black women, conservative, loved Donald Trump at their own show on Newsmax. Well, Diamond died in today's New York Post, so God rest her soul. We put this uh, time aside every Tuesday morning, now Thursday morning as well, because Bo Deedle is great. Spent uh, decades as a great cop in this city. Has gone on to become a really tremendous actor. I actually look up to him. He's made some great movies. Most importantly, one of the most loyal and dear friends I've ever had here in New York. Here he is, the great Bo Deedle. Good Tuesday morning, Bo Deedle. How are you, buddy? Hey, Sid. I just got a call from Danny A. He's in Tel Aviv. And he says, tell Sid... Don't invite anybody. He's lucky if he gets two tickets <laughs> for the premiere. On it. So listen to me. You know, yeah. a lot of people don't know about Danny A. He used to own clubs around New York. He's become one of the most important guys in Hollywood. You know, not just Gemini Lounge. He had Mobtown, Blackjack, Jackie Ryan's story. He did a thing called The Engineer in Israel. Another yeah. great movie. He's a great actor. He was in The Irishman. But he's also one of the most... One of the best directors I've ever worked with. He's so freaking talented. He's going to be to be dealt with in Hollywood. And I, I love Danny A. He loves you. And he told me that sci-fi movie, you're going to play like, remember the, the, the Star Wars bar scene? I can get out of here. You're going to play one of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Bob. I'll take it. Speaking I don't care. Bob, That's fine. <laughs> speaking of Bob, I watched 60 Minutes on Sunday. This carrot top rat. Prince Harry, he dishes it out on his father, his brother. I don't know why he's uh, he's not invited to the king's coronation. No, 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 that's not true. King Charles now has has said uh, very recently yeah. that he is going to invite yeah. Harry now. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he'll be in the he'll be he'll be in the bleachers. All right, he's ratting out everybody. You know, he got twenty million for that new book, and all they want to do is dish it out. And he mentions about uh, Meghan Markle. Everyone hates her. Man, imagine having this guy as a brother. He talks about Harry. He talks about him being bald. I mean, let me tell you something there, Rob, my friend Carrot Top. I start looking at your hair on Sunday. You're starting to thin out on the top. Yes, he is. You're going to soon be bald, so don't be pushing out there. I really think think we should do a DNA test 
on Harry because he looks different. Remember Princess Diana was pounded Tatum, the boyfriend there at the same time? Yeah. Remember yeah. she was on the side of town? <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering if Harry is really part of the family. Harry might be, his father might be the guy that Diana was pounded Tatum. <laughs> it's be. crazy. And then you realize when he talks about himself, he talks about doing coke, drinking, uh, mushrooms. This guy's gone. Gonzo Tech, enough with this. $100 million, Netflix paid him for this stupid series. Enough. I don't want to see him, Mar- Merkel, or anything. I don't well, you see, what him. surprises me is, I, I, I agree with you, you know, for years, me and Bernie railed against the royal family. We used to fight with Huddy and these people. Who cares? Yeah. Then why did, you yeah. watch, why did you watch 60 Minutes on Sunday then? Well, I was on it after the football game. Oh, right. Popped on. Right, right, but, right. But, right. you know, and then... I mean, look, I got stuck. Then I looked at this guy. What a what a broken down valise. I, I got to give him credit. He served in the armed forces. Yeah. God bless him for that. But he has lost his brain, and he's losing his hair faster than I was losing my hair. So by the time he's 35, he's going to look like you said. Okay, another genius. Yeah. I pick up the paper today. We have another genius. Brian Walsh. What a genius he is. All of a sudden, his wife went missing around January 1st. What an idiot. All of a sudden, he, he took he failed in the course, murder and get away with it. Course 101. All of a sudden, they find blood in the basement, broken knife. He went to the Home Depot, bought gloves, buckets, tapes, and everything. And then he he also on his computer had to dispose of a 115-pound yep. yep. body, yep. as well as how do you dismember a body? What a friggin' idiot. I'm surprised. Well, I'm, I'm actually up. surprised it took six days for them to arrest him, but I guess they were putting together all this evidence. I got to tell you, Bo, she was a really, not that it matters, I'm not that shallow, but she really was a beautiful woman. This is a horrible story. Oh, take it easy. <laughs> After he finished with her, he cut her body up. I know. All chopped up. I know. Woman, she deserves to die. No, I didn't. No, I, I, I prefaced it by saying I don't want to come off like I'm shallow. Oh, yeah. But well, you know, you can't even go there. I don't care. <laughs> oh yes, you can. Oh no, 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 no. Listen, listen. This show tells oh, okay. the truth. This show tells the truth. And and there's a reason why the good-looking young blonde girl okay. is on TV every day, and the ugly girl they never discuss. So let's not act right, like so it doesn't Sid, matter. <laughs> so Sid, Sid, when you get whacked. Say when you get whacked, yeah. what are you going to put in the paper? Beautiful looking yes. Sid? Yes, very, no. han- very handsome. Whacked, that's all. No, very yeah. handsome radio personality. Sid Rosenberg was whacked. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now I'm really happy about President Biden. He went down the border. Where did he, where did he go down there? Was that a resort? A resort town he went yes, to there? Yes. All of a sudden, this, this idiot, uh, idiot, Alejandro Gomez Macarrones. What's his name, this guy? Mayorkas. Should be, yeah, that guy, too. Well, he should be put in jail. What he's doing with these Mexican cartels, they're coming out of shooting at commercial airliners. The fentanyl's coming through. They got human trafficking. They're making tens of billions of dollars. This must stop now. We've got to get on top of these cartels because they are controlling the border and all that action going on down there. God knows how many criminals have infested our country as it is. We have no documentation. We must stop it right now. We must stop and clear up that border. And I'm glad the first... I'm glad the... Where are you? No, keep going. Finish your thought. The music comes in. You finish your thought. Then we go to break. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad of one thing. I'm glad that they're taking on the IRS agents. First order of business to Republicans... Get rid of that $87 billion for IRS agents. 
<laughs> there it is, the first Sam Kinison moment for Bo Dito. We're going to football on hold because we got to pay the bills here and get some of these commercial spots in. But the good news is, is we're only halfway done with Bo Dietl. As soon as you get back on the other side, you get more Bo Dietl. Bo Dietl and Sid Rosenberg on a Tuesday only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC with the late, great Jim Croce. Happy birthday, Jim. Little ready ahead for you as we come back, wrap up our conversation with the great Bo Deedle here every Tuesday at 740. Now Thursdays at 905 as well. Bo, welcome back. Welcome back. You know what this is like, Sid? This is like I'm having foreplay with this hot chick. All of a sudden, things are ready. I put it in. Then you tell me to stop. What is going on? <laughs> I'm on the road. What the hell? Whose idea was this? Don't Whose ask. Whose idea was this? It was. It wasn't. It, let's put it this way. It, it wasn't mine. You know that, Bo. It wasn't mine. So. Well, all I know is that I'm right there. It's in. Now you tell me stop. Okay. I'm glad. I remember talking about the border, right? And we're talking about Greg Abbott, the governor down there, telling the president what this 20 billion late, two years late. The reality is right now that it's all on the shoulders of our our homeland security, Micah, Yoko, whatever the hell his name is. He should be brought in front of the United States Congress to answer questions. How in the hell can he tell people our borders are secure? And remember, Tens of billions of dollars these cartels are making, human trafficking, fentanyl. We'll probably have 175,000 Americans killed with that. I've got more overdoses from people taking pills, cocaine and heroin. People are calling me up, families, about people dying with this fentanyl. Now, let's go real quick off. I'm glad Snaggletooth Governor Hochul found her testicles. She's standing by this nomination, Judge Hector LaSalle that he, she's putting all her stuff in back of him. Now, all of a sudden, the liberal morons want to knock her out. All of a sudden, one of her own officers, Amit Bagger, Deputy Secretary of Intergovernmental, uh, Intergovernmental Affairs, and she's the one, he's the one to fund the police movement. This is who she has on her staff. Right now, when she comes on today, she's going to do the state of the state. She better talk about bail reform. She better talk about the most important thing to New Yorkers and New York Cityers are the criminal element that's running around our city going nuts. She should now address the bail reform. Stop bringing the judges in to make decisions. This is crazy. And I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to lose the rest, the rest of my hair. My point is also, I'm glad one other thing. President Sleepy Joe did one thing. He promised to eliminate federal death penalty. I'm glad that he didn't do that. Now we got that terrorist. Remember that guy with the rental truck, that Abadabadoo, that ran off, killed eight people? Remember him? Remember oh, him? yes. That was, a Halloween, that was Halloween day on West Street about eight years ago, yes. And I'm not going to say his name because he's a piece of garbage that's under my shoe. All I can tell you is right now, the federal law... Uh, as terrorists, we could fry this son of a gun, and we should. And I tell your friend, the mayor, that I talked to on Sunday, I text him, too. You're not the only one, Sid. He texts me back. Not before, really. Too. No, he texts I you text- back like a day later. I get it a minute later. But, again, I'm sorry, no, Bo. Go no, ahead. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, 
Take it easy, Sid. I go back when he was a state. I don't care. In 1990. Nah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When you would do the lines of cocaine. Stop Maybe. That's okay, fine. So right now, yeah. I tell him again about the convicted felons which use the federal gun law. We have to use the federal laws because this state is so liberal, and all these uh, liberals do not want to prosecute criminals. So we go to the federal government. Let's go. We have a House. We have a Congress now, Republicans. Let's start pushing. Let's start pushing. I'm so glad about 87,000, 87, 87,000, oh no, that's $87 billion, that IRS crap. They're going to get rid of that. Imagine having 87,000 IRS agents looking up your butt, Crazy. my butt, about what we're spending money. Crazy. These are people, and they're going to carry guns and badges? Stop this nonsense now! <laughs> there he is, everybody. This is why he's now on twice a week, 740 every Tuesday and 9.05 every Thursday, the brilliant, and I mean brilliant, he's, a, he's really smart, he's, he loves this city, he's funny as hell, he's a great guest, and he's such a loyal and dear friend, the great Bo Deedle. But, um, no, it's, it's not you. Eric Adams gets back to me much quicker than just Bo and everybody else. That's just the way it is. I don't know why. Was, I guess uh, when you're the number one radio host in town, you take precedence. But I love you, Bo Deedle. You're great. We'll do it again on Thursday morning at 9.05. That was a great appearance. A great Bo Deedle. Still coming up next hour, Lydia Reports and Grand Stinchfield. Nine o'clock hour, we'll talk to the host of Inside Edition. Her Georgia Bulldogs rolled last night. Deborah Norville and I think Stephen Van Zant is going to stop by today as well because... Today happens to be the anniversary of the very first episode ever of The Sopranos. All that and more. Stick around for the second half of Sid and Friends in the morning on a Tuesday morning. Only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Fast-paced world. Not everyone has 30 minutes to listen to an entire podcast. So we created the 77 WABC Minicast. It's topical, it's informative, and entertaining. And it's only 10 minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The 77 WABC Minicast. The facts you need in only 10 New York minutes. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. points out to me that on pages 12 and 13 in today's New York Post. Oh, by the way, thanks again to Bo Deedle. We've had two great guests on this morning already. Brian Kilmeade 
and Bo Deedle coming up this hour. Lydia reports and uh, Grant Stinfield. I love him. Real American conservative hero. And then uh, Deborah Norville and possibly Stephen Van Zant in the nine o'clock hour as well. But the other uh, column reads city in crisis. New York City stop thieves. Push to end rash of repeat shoplifts. And on the right side of this column, there's pictures of uh, two folks. The very top, it says, following are horror stories from supermarket owners fed up with how serial shoplifters treat their stores as free-for-all buffets. And the very top one, Gristidi's. Mind you, folks, I shopped at the Gristidi's on 103rd and Broadway every day for four and a half years. 19 stores in Manhattan and Brooklyn, and there's a picture of my dear friend, the great owner of this station, John Katsimatidis. And it goes on to say, getting busted on petty larceny charges no longer serves as a deterrent to stealing from supermarkets turned, excuse me, fumed Dominic Albergo. Dom, that's my guy, Dom. I love Dom who, of course, is in charge of security for the Gristidi's grocery chain. Dom goes on to say, this is great, Dom, in the New York Post. He says, we had one shoplifter arrested three times in one day, and he kept coming back to the same store. They were all desk appearance tickets, said Dom Albergo, an ex-NYPD cop. Gristidi's owner, John Katsimatidis, who last year offered a $10,000 reward after one of his stores was robbed at gunpoint, also said there was a difference between professional thieves who are ruining the city and someone stealing a loaf of bread because he's hungry. Bail reform for someone stealing a loaf of bread? Yes. For professional thieves? No. John Katsumatidis and some guy from Morton Williams is in the uh, paper as well, so... I was just excited for Dom. I mean, I know that John's been dealing with these issues at Christides and for years now, last couple of years specifically. But anyway, check that out, pages 12 and 13 in today's uh, New York Post. So I've got another show for you. I, I got so many messages yesterday, and I always tell folks in the business that just going over the same story about Biden or Hochul or Trump or Adams that's not how you get big ratings. Trust me. I did this show for five years. We did not get ratings. We just didn't. You get ratings when you start to make the show, the show I should say, attractive to a wider audience. Not whiter, wider. When you start to broaden your horizons and talk a little bit about everything, that's what people want in the morning. In the morning specifically. That's why I miss was a big star on WFAN. They wanted sports all day. They got it. Mike and Chris delved into the minutia. But in the mornings, same thing with Neil Rogers down in Miami on an all-sports station. In the mornings, people want a potpourri, a buffet of everything. They want news and traffic and weather and sports, entertainment and laughs. You sit here all day and talk about Trump, and you get what we got for about four years, a two. You do what I do now, and you get what I've been getting, four, fives, and sixes. Inside baseball, 12 plus. But I, I spoke about this show yesterday, and my phone blew up. Emily in Paris. 
It is a great show. Phil Collins' daughter, Lily Collins, is the star. Darren Starr, talking about stars, who created Sex and the City, created this show. And it's a mix between Sex and the City and The Devil Wears Prada. And I got another show. I'm done with Emily in Paris. Three seasons of that. So yesterday, we dove in headfirst to Ginny and Georgia. And I'm telling you, folks, this mother-daughter relationship on this show is another winner. In fact, it's much darker than Emily in Paris. Emily in Paris is cutesy, nice clothing, nice boy-girl relationships, a hot lesbian relationship, to be honest. It's just a, it's a cute, nice Sex in the City type of show. This show, Ginny and Georgia, a little darker, but unbelievable. The acting between the mother and the daughter, and I've never heard of either one of these folks. Like, I knew Phil Collins' daughter, obviously. Antonia Gentry plays Ginny, and Brianni Howie plays Georgia. you got to check it out. It's great. Ginny and Georgia, that is the next Sid recommendation if, in fact, you want to watch some good television. Now, the big stories of the day. Macedonia Phil, where do we start? You put the show sheet together today. You put the sound together today. In your estimation, is it Joe Biden holding on to classified documents for seven years? Is it the border? Is it the House passing laws to make sure that Congress runs smoothly now that Kevin McCarthy is in charge? Is it that Georgia won by 57 points last night? Is it that Carlos Correa is now closer to being a Minnesota twin again than a New York Met? What is the big story of the day, Macedonia, Phil? Well, it's got to be the, the Oklahoma City Thunder playing their first game of the season on national television. I forgot about television. that. Yeah, right about it's that. Be. Yeah, I forgot about that. I think uh, the Georgia game's fun. It's nobody com- cares. No, actually, honestly. That's, Not even Herschel Walker. That's very true. <laughs> nobody cares. To Georgia. Deborah Norville will care. Yeah, no, that's why she's coming on. She cares. I mean, um, she's really coming on because it's the 35-year anniversary of Inside Edition. She'll but, double dip on that. She'll definitely know. gloat about the uh, the gigantic win there. Yeah. Um. Probably, I, I think the biggest story right now, probably Biden at the border. You think so? No. <laughs> well, a lot of people did speak about that yesterday. I got a lot of good sound on that. I know. I pulled it. Yeah, Greg Abbott, the governor in Texas. You know, if you don't know the story, Biden went to the border finally. He was there for about three hours, but they sanitized it. If you heard Brian Kilmeade with me about an hour and a half ago, they actually removed some of the migrants, put them back in Mexico. They swept up, literally swept up, made it look cleaner. Joe Biden did not go to the parts of the border that are dangerous and nasty. He went to a sanitized section, spent about three hours, and beat his chest. I've been to the border. Not really. Here's Greg Abbott, cut number seven. First, I wanted to make clear uh, that he was receiving uh, a sanitized review of what was going on on the border. And and I pleaded with him uh, to go talk to uh, the ranchers, thousands of ranchers Mm -hmm. along the border whose lives are being completely disrupted, uh, as well as talk to the families who've lost a loved one. Uh, because of uh, the uh, open border policies that he's had where the cartels have killed uh, their family members either through fentanyl uh, or through other means. Yeah, fentanyl. I mean, uh, Martha McCallum was talking about that yesterday on Fox News, how basically the cartels run these borders and the fentanyl comes in and thousands and thousands of people die. 
This is Martha McCallum, courtesy of Fox News, Lewis, cut number six. But today is all about this discussion between the heads of the United States, of Mexico, and Canada, right? You have Obrador, you have Justin Trudeau. This is an opportunity where we really need Michael Waltz, Congressman Michael Waltz wrote a very good piece on this today, talking about the fact that what they need to focus on is energy production, getting Chinese influence out of South America, and also cracking down on these cartels because neither one of these countries is running the border. The cartel runs the border. It's an yep. embarrassment to governments to the north and south of this border that the cartels mm -hmm. run it. They made $13 billion in human <clears throat> trafficking this wow. year. So Texas Governor Greg Abbott says, look, I told the president to go to this part of the border and do this and do that, and he didn't listen. This is Texas Governor Greg Abbott Lewis, cut number eight. I asked the president to go down and see for himself where people are crossing the border illegally. Obviously, he did not do that. So then he included Mayorkas, the Homeland Security waste, complete waste, a guy that you could only hope Kevin McCarthy was telling the truth when he talked about impeaching Mayorkas a couple of weeks ago before he finally got the Speaker of the House. Here, Greg Abbott, the Texas governor, lumps the president, waste, Homeland Security director, waste, in one sentence. So this would be Greg Abbott, cut number 10. Uh, under the president's order and under Secretary Mayorkas's order, uh, they are not detaining all these people. Uh, they're letting loose all these people across the United States, and some of whom, hundreds of thousands of whom, they're not even tracking. Uh, and so th they are failing to live up to the laws already enacted by the United States Congress. So, of course, uh, the Department of Homeland Security head, Mayorkas, who he was talking about, the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, right there, he's very good at one thing like Biden is. Blame the Republicans. Blame everybody else. Abbott's not cooperating. Ron DeSantis is sending folks to Martha's Vineyard. Donald Trump started this mess. All nonsense. Mayorkas, who hopefully is going to face impeachment sometime very, very soon, cut number one. Governor Abbott uh, is not collaborating with the federal government Shut on an issue that requires collaboration. You're we cannot douche. have unilateral douche. governor action douche. that is not coordinated with the federal government Whatever. to address uh, an issue that is of national importance. <sighs> so the other big story, again, is that there were classified documents at the Biden Center, and they've been there since Joe Biden was the VP all the way back in like 2016 or 17, I think. He's had these classified documents at the Biden Center, very similar to Mar-a-Lago. Difference is Donald Trump, at least according to him, he declassified this stuff. Biden stuff, still classified. And he's got it. He's out there yelling and screaming, Merrick Garland, go get Donald Trump. And it looks like Joe Biden is the one with the classified documents for years. Here is the local report, CBS 2 here in New York. Lewis, this is cut number 16, the investigation into Joe Biden hoarding classified documents. 
Three sources tell CBS News the classified documents were discovered in this building about a mile from the White House at the offices of the Penn Biden Center, a foreign policy research institute set up after President Biden left the vice presidency. What? According to a source familiar with the matter, the classified documents are small in number and were found in November in a box among unclassified material. Sources would not characterize how sensitive the documents are. Responding to requests from CBS News, the White House counsel said that on November 2nd of last year, before the midterm elections, lawyers for President Biden were cleaning out office space at the center. When they discovered the documents marked classified in Oops. a locked closet, they stopped the work and contacted the White House. White House lawyers then reached out to the National Archives, which is responsible for the records. The archives in turn contacted the Department of Justice. Attorney General Merrick Garland then tasked the U.S. Attorney in Chicago, John Lausch, a Trump appointee, with determining what is in the documents and how they arrived at the Penn Biden Center. The FBI is also involved in the preliminary inquiry, which a source says is nearing its conclusion. Unbelievable, right? When Donald Trump... They they just they, they go to his house, SWAT teams, FBI guys, like he's Pablo Escobar. Down in Miami in Palm Beach and Mar-a-Lago, I should say. They raid the place, disrespect Donald Trump, disrespect his wife, and go on this witch hunt that's going on and on. And Biden seemingly has done the same thing. Eh, a little bit of a story on Channel 2 locally. Let's, uh, let's move on to the uh, Georgia versus TCU game. So you may remember last week when Kevin McCarthy was having trouble becoming Speaker of the House. Chip Roy, Matt Gates, and others started nominating a bunch of other folks. Jim Jordan, Steve Scalise, Gates even nominated Donald Trump. One of the guys that was nominated was Byron Donalds out of the state of Florida. I really like this guy. And Donalds was on CNN saying, what is Biden doing with those documents? And why isn't this a bigger story? This, Lewis, is Byron Donalds making a whole lot of sense. Cut number 17. I'm wondering why the vice president of the United States had classified documents outside of the hands of the intelligence community. Listen, it's been pretty clear that presidents do have some classified documents. But the difference between a president and everybody else is the president has the ability to declassify information. The vice president has no ability to declassify information. So number one, what was he doing with classified information in his possession? Number two, why did it take six years? And I want to stress this for the American people. Joe Biden left the vice presidency in 2017. So it's taken six years for these documents to surface. That is incredibly concerning. And point number three, and this is the one that's most important, Everybody can go back to the Hillary Clinton email saga. We know other presidents have had classified information. But why was there a raid on Mar-a-Lago? But now this story just kind of seeps out. Uh-huh. And everybody's saying, oh, we just want to get down to the bottom of it. See? And everybody's giving the benefit of the doubt. That's right. A vice president of the United States or a secretary of state or anybody else should not be having classified information, period. Bingo. Well, my guy, Donald Trump. Hope you're listening, Bo Deedle, Peter King, the rest of you backstabbers. My guy Donald Trump, he can't catch a break. They're making his life miserable. This son of a gun, this Biden is doing the same thing. And it's like a little story right before weather at 11.18 on the local CBS News. Hey, uh, Macedonia, Phil, what's the name of the show that I recommended to a listening audience moments ago? 
Oh, I remember this. It was like uh, Genie and Gabriel or something. Oh, man, you're right there. Okay. Oh, All right, close. Usual, That's usual. my son, Gabriel. But <laughs> Yeah, he's in the show, isn't he? Genie right. and Georgia. Wait, your son's your son not in the show? Georgia. Georgia won the national championship last night. Ah. I want you to watch that show and Emily in Paris. Can you do that for me? No. Okay. Lydia Reports is coming up next, then Grant Stinchfield, then Deborah Norville, then maybe little Steven, Stephen Van Zandt, right here on the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Son of a gun. Don't you mess around with me, you're a This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Well, we have what? Five million migrants that have poured into this country the last two years, billions of dollars spent. God only knows how many terrorists and sex traffickers, over 100,000 people dying of fentanyl. That's an underestimation. A kid overdosed on fentanyl at New Rochelle High School just yesterday had to be revived with Narcan. Homelessness, I mean, you name it, getting out of control. Subway crime up over 30%. But what is the Biden administration focusing on, Sid? They want to ban gas stoves. That is the latest report coming out. And meanwhile, meanwhile, 40% of American households have uh, these gas appliances. Yep. They say, why? Because it's bad for the environment. Gas stoves. I mean, and then they want to say they're not declaring war on the fossil fuel industry. It's absolutely insane. No, they, they have declared war. Look, they declared war right away when... Um when they uh, stopped the Keystone Pipeline. I mean, energy costs are supposed to go through the roof. It's interesting we're having this discussion because right now Maria Bartiromo is having the same on Fox Business. Energy costs expected to climb dramatically in 2023. She's talking to Austin Knudsen, who's the AG in Montana. So, yes, they declared war, shutting down those pipelines day one, being energy efficient. They do the same thing in New York State. How many times have we talked about how much money this state can end up making if, in fact, we went back to fracking, if Kathy Hochul decided to frack, which is something Lee Zeldin would have done if he won. So our state, the federal government, they're in bed together. They declared war on it day one, and we've never recovered, ever. Right. It's the uh, Consumer Product Safety Commission. It's mulling the action, saying blah, blah, blah. It causes all, the, it causes all these side effects. So Democratic Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey and Representative Don Beyer of Virginia, they sent a letter to the agency insisting it to take action against these appliances. And and meanwhile, you have all these protection agencies. They're saying, listen, maybe maybe people are getting they need more ventilation, you know, because God only knows what they're cooking or what kind of uh, pots and pans they're using that could emit these chemicals. You don't blame the stove. Maybe, you know, just open the windows or something like that. There has to we don't even have any kind of definitive proof. You know, it's crazy. Speaking of energy costs, like I noticed like one of my corner living rooms, I feel like a draft and we brought in a guy to check out. Maybe we need new windows. And we told him about our energy bill, what we're paying now, our Con Ed bill. And he was like, my God, he's like, they just keep getting higher and higher when I go throughout Westchester County. And that's because partly also Cuomo, he shut down the Indian Point power plant, the nuclear yes. power plant. Yep. Why did they shut that thing 
lockdown. It's so ridiculous. Everybody here in Westchester County, they're like, every, we're all freaking out. It's so bad. Well, I, do, I, do have, I, I do have a bit of uh, a of a solution for you because you're right. You shut down Indian Point and you're going to pay more anyway. But if you want a cost-effective way to heat the house, you must get yourself a peerless boiler from Pete Morgan. And I, and I say that not because I'm going to the Ranger game with him tonight because he's just a dear friend, but I really mean it. If you want to save money and heat the house, get yourself a peerless boiler. There you go. Well, we, we got our we got our H, we have an HVAC system, but there you that's, uh, no, that's no the tickets were paid for right there. Peerless boiler, right? That's there. the tickets paid for right there. I mean, you you can't beat that. No. <laughs> I got to tell you, my house. I sent you the video that a couple of days ago, right? Yes, you sent me the videos. I cannot believe your your house is gorgeous from the pictures you know that I saw, like well, from yes. your kitchen. You always and the staircase that you guys have take always take pictures. But now to see it, it's like heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. There's no walls. There's no ceilings. They're about to take up the floors. We have to move out for basically three months. Uh, sometime later on this week. But the first thing we're going to do is bring in a peerless boiler. I'm being completely honest. I'm not just saying how to repeat, but that's one of the first things we're going to do because those things do heat the house, and it's at least expensive. But I got to tell you, last night I got a contractor there during the Georgia football game. I got uh, public adjusters every day, insurance guys every day. This is not something I've ever done, Lydia, not something I'm used to. This has become a just a, a, a hell I mean, it's going to end up being gorgeous in four months of the nicest house in Rockaway. But right now, this is hell. Hell. It's so hard to have your own home. I mean, every time when we first got our house, we had like this really horrific storm like hurricane that happened and our basement flooded. And we're like, what the heck is going on? Because, you know, I I, I grew up in the Bronx and then we moved to a two family, which is kind of like a small building. My husband, his whole entire life has been in an apartment. So you get a house and you're so excited. But then these natural disasters happen and you're just at the mercy of them. It doesn't matter how great the house is all these other precautions that you put in place and boom, you're, you're just, you're screwed and you just got to pick up the pieces. I swear. I thought we were going to get a divorce during that thing. Cause he was, we were like, we, the, the, it was a finished, beautiful basement. We had to tear it all out. It was yeah. horrible. Yeah. And we thought it was only going to be a couple months. It ended up being like eight months and all this money. And then we're still kind of trying to get more money out of FEMA from it. It's just horrible. Yep. It's it's a it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with, but it's going to be beautiful. The finishes will be perfect, exactly how you want them. So there you go. And Thank then you'll you. have your nice peerless boiler in there. Right, so, exactly. Well, you can't beat so, that. No, you can't beat it. It's going to be great. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the gas stove ban. We're going to talk about so many other issues. I almost wanted to bring up too about in Long Island there have been these brazen carjackings where people are pumping gas in broad daylight and the carjacker will come in on the other side while you're pumping the gas and jump in the car and drive off so if you are they actually actually pull up in a car yeah they pull up in a car next to yours the guy jumps out of the car and jumps in your car and drives away yes unbelievable so keep the yeah, keep the keys in your hand. So at least if they try to do that, they it's not going to be that easy. Because people, obviously, they leave their cars running. So turn off your car, keep the keys in your hand. So at least and then you could just run away and get into, like, the store or something if they try to jack you. But this is happening in broad daylight in Long Island, all of these crimes. So these are what we have to focus on, not banning Stove gas stoves. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> but I'll be sitting alongside John Katz with CDs 5 o'clock tonight. We'll talk about this and, 
and so much more you don't want to miss. It. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. David Bowie died seven years ago today. You know what's interesting about that? Is today's date is January the 10th. So I returned to New York that year, seven years ago, 2016, to work with my late partner, God rest his soul, Bernard. I am coming to you live this morning from the Bernard McGurk studio. And uh, Bernie and I started together January the 27th of that year. I flew in. I left Boca Raton January the 26th. I was at Fort Lauderdale Airport at 7.30 in the morning. It was already 74 degrees and sunny. And I was coming up alone because my children, Gaby and Ava, were still very young and still in school. I couldn't pull them out of school midway through the school year. So my beautiful wife, Danielle, and the kids stayed in Boca, and I came up alone and moved in with my sister, Ray Sherry, and brother-in-law, Albert, in Brooklyn, in Little Basin, and went to work from there. So I leave Fort Lauderdale, 73 and sunny. I land at Kennedy Airport. Lou, you'll remember this. I walk outside, and there was like the remnants of a storm that brought you guys about 23 inches of snow. Do you remember that? January 2016, that blizzard you guys got? Well... I have to you don't think, remember? I have to go into my blizzard almanac. For January 2016. It was bad. It was like it broke every record, man. It should come to mind right away. No? How about well, you, Phil? Well, you remember it? Wait, so there was a few of those. No, that was a big one. Okay. I think that was the biggest one in, in like years and years. So I get out of the uh, the airport. I go, oh, my God, what did I just do? Okay, 2016. Yes. I, okay, so I was still at the old ABC. Yes. Okay. Yes, because what I was about to tell you was... Right before I took the job, Chad hired me to work with Bernie. I had started coming on every Tuesday with Imus from Boca. And me and Bernie would do an hour thing. And I came on the morning, the 10th of that year, when Bowie died. And Imus was talking about David Bowie. And then in my segment, I came on right after Mike Lupica. And I was making fun of Mike Lupica. I forget why. Because Penny he was well, uh, terrible. Wussy boy, yeah. <laughs> Another one of Imus's Republican friends, right, stupid? He was always surrounded by liberals. Anyway, so uh, that was the 10th of that year, and then 16 days later, I came here. 17 days later, we started the Bernie and Sid Midday Show. Geraldo out, Bernie and Sid in. Seven years later, David Bowie dead. Imus dead. Even Bernie. 
and here I am. So, now, a lot has happened, I think, over the last seven years. I guess is my point. My God, I remember when, uh, when Bowie when Bowie died, and I came into the you know I'm in the control room in that five o'clock hour, and he, he I just didn't know much about some of these guys, and he's like, so Lou, did David Bowie ever have a good song? He didn't he say said, that. Yes, he did. I thought I must know about music. He was a DJ back in uh, in California way back when. I thought he knew. No, I know we like country. No, there were some things he knew he just nothing didn't know. about. People are still asking me about Delbert McClinton. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on with Delbert yeah, McClinton. That's, that's it. That's That, that was, was it. That was George Strait. Yeah. Well, he know about Bowie. I'm surprised. No, any of the music that you like, you forget it. Because, like, by the way, you may remember this, too. Right about the time that Bowie died seven years ago. Glenn Fry died right. too from the Eagles. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that was. He knew about thing. that, right? Of course. Joe Walsh and Don Henley. Yeah. Because yeah. I've hated the Eagles ever since I got off the air from the show. <laughs> I've hated them. Yeah, I hate the Eagles too, I but I hate to, the Philadelphia Eagles. I used not the, to love them. Yeah, so I not the all. band. <laughs> right. I did like them at one point. Yeah. So my daughter uh, Ava, waiting on Grant Stinchfield to call. Deborah Norville and Stephen Van Zandt still to come. So a monster show, but. Proud of my daughter, you know, I am proud of her and angry at her at the same time because she decided overnight, she's in Europe, so the she's like five or six hours ahead. So I'm fast asleep, and my daughter is fighting with these idiots on, um, on Instagram that are mad at me because I fed the homeless with the mayor. And she's going back and forth, at least my dad cares, and my dad is... He's a good New Yorker and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and these people are like yelling at my daughter. I mean, if, I, if they were in front of my face, I'd knock them all out one by one, punch them out across the face. I'm not a microphone tough guy. Trust me, I would do it. So this one guy, um, Carl Constantino, whoever the hell he is, he's been actually respectful to my daughter. And Ava writes this. You guys are unhappy with how the mayor is doing and lean towards my dad's politics. Can two opposing parties not interact? Can the mayor not learn anything from my dad? This divisiveness is the main issue in America today. How do you expect the side you don't like to change if they aren't willing to expose themselves to the opposite side? This could actually be a good thing my dad is doing but it seems everyone is blinded by political identity. This is my daughter. She's a kid. She's a kid. And she sounds more adult than any of you people that have been nasty since I fed the homeless last Wednesday. She's a kid, and she gets it. And whether you're that, that, that firefighter with a big mouth in Brooklyn, you know who you are. I'm not afraid of you. You know who you are. Or the countless others that have gone at me at social media, not the mayor, at me. My daughter, a kid, just explained it about as well as you can. Thank God that's the future of our, our country. There's hope. There really is hope. So, Ava, Daddy loves you. Daddy's proud of you. And if uh, more Americans, more New Yorkers, more people started to think like that, we got a shot. If not, we're dead. We're right where we are right now, and this ain't a good place. So thank you, Ava. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. So lots more to come. Once again, Deborah Norville, host of Inside Edition. And as I stated earlier in the program, 
The year was 1999. 24 years ago today on HBO, the very first ever episode of The Sopranos aired on HBO. Stephen Van Zandt, he played Silvio Dante. He may stop by at 925. And a hello from Congressman Peter King. He joins me 840 tomorrow, every Wednesday morning. Said he loved the Inna Vernikov interview yesterday. He thinks Inna could be a huge star in the Republican Party. She is that lovely councilwoman out of Brooklyn, New York. We'll take a short break. More of Sitting Friends in the morning right after these words. Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. I never knew the name of this song was Peg for the longest time. Happy birthday here to Donald Fagan. I love this band, Steely Dan. Donald Fagan, 75 years old today. (laughs) Every one of them. Rod Stewart, 78 today. Pat Benatar, 70 today. Donald Fagan, 75 today. Jimmy Page, 79 yesterday. Ernie Anastas on his way to 80. (laughs) I know. Strange guy, Donald Fagan. I met him. A very weird guy. very strange. You got high with him? No. That was Levon. I know Levon Helmy did, yeah. He played with Levon a lot in the stage, but he was... uh, Weird guy. He was unique. He was himself, but man, he's a talented... Oh, uh, great band, Steely Dan. He's like, well, thanks a lot for saying that. That's nice. (laughs) Very strange. Yeah. Hey, what's the game about today, Phil? The uh, Sid's take. What's it about today? It's twofer. Oh, twofer. Is this music today? Twofer Tuesday. It's music. Yeah. All right. So this um, this Biden, you know, he better get into trouble here for this uh, classified stuff. You, you made my, my guy Donald Trump's life miserable, and you're still doing it. He's still embroiled in this law ca- in this case and all this Mar-a-Lago nonsense. And his stuff he even declassified. He can do that as the president. Joe Biden could not do that as the VP. So they better make Biden's life as miserable as of making my guy's Trump life. That's what I'm saying. They're not going to do it, but they need to do that, right, Phil? What's fair is fair, no? Yeah, well, sure, I guess. What? I, I suppose. It's, that makes sense. Am I supposed to care about this? Uh, I don't care if you care or not. I don't want to care all that much either. Well, but Yeah, see, that's, that's what I'm saying. Am I, is this, like, important to my life? I guess. Is it? 
if they they go through Biden's classified documents. I don't know what's important to your life, Phil. I don't yeah, know. What, I very don't little. Know. That's true. What, what is Phil? What do you care about the most? I'm not sure we're going to pay rent this month. Maybe we'll just skip out on it. I mean, I, I think that a lot of the stuff we discuss that people like get so uh, just uh, crazy about, I think a lot of it is nonsense. But this is what these people want, you know. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, I took phone calls for 20 years in sports. It was like the world was coming to an end. How the hell could he take that pitch? It's no different here. What are the Yankees doing with that lineup? It's the same thing here. It's the same crazy people. It's not sports. It's politics. But it's the same thing. Just just unhinged, crazy, angry people. Same thing. You know, for Alan Snippen, who thinks I should go back and do sports, this stupid bastard, the reason why I'm great at both is because it's the same thing. He's like, well, you know, news talk doesn't really, it's not a win or lose thing. Oh, it's not stupid? Really? Every election is not win or lose? Every day is win or lose. Every day, Mayor Adams wins or loses. Every day, Kathy Hochul wins. Or what do you mean? It's not. It's exactly the same. You dumb putts. That's why I'm great at both. It's the same thing. I got a trade for you now. Hear me out a second. Yo, you didn't give me. Um, I'll take Tim Scott and uh, Christy Nome <laughs> for Cory Booker and a player to be named later. Wait, wait uh, the money's no object. Pay it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Deborah Norville's coming up. She's the host of Inside Edition. They're celebrating 35 years, and her Georgia Bulldogs won the championship again last night. Maybe Stevie Van Sant, and yes, your chance at cash prizes with Sis Take on a two for Tuesday. All that is still to come. The fourth and final hour of Sitting Friends in the Morning on a Tuesday on the other side. Is Sid and friends in the morning for my friends? Seventy-seven WABC. Rod Stewart, Maggie May. Rod turns um, 78 today. So it turns out that all these great guests planned today, Grant Stinchfield and Deborah Norville and Stevie Van Zandt and Lorraine Bracco, all these folks, and no one's coming on because since Bo was on, though, the phones are, um, are giving us difficulty. So no guests. Don't need them because I can host a radio show in my sleep. But if you were expecting to hear from some of these people, they're not coming on. So, Why are you coming in here? What do you want? I don't know. I want to sound off on this issue. I'm very upset. Well, go ahead. Sound off. Well, I mean, it just makes us sound bad. It's upsetting. It doesn't make anybody sound bad. I don't care. Well, no, I mean, not you personally, but it makes us look, you know, like the- we don't have a, a plan. When we do, 
and we get hit with these no, technical no, I, issues. I have, I have a plan. I'm fine. Thank you. I, well, I'm not. It's I'm, all good. I'm not coming it's, it's to you. It's all good. It's all good. All Thank right. you. Uh, that's Justin Ellick. He'll be back with sports <laughs> in a little while. You know, um, I was talking about Donald Trump a couple moments ago, and I was saying that, um, you know, this uh, Biden better go through what they've been putting my friend Trump through all these months after the Mar-a-Lago raid when Biden seemingly has done the same thing but worse because the president at least has the authority, the power, to declassify this information, and the VP doesn't. And Deborah Valentine just played Biden, that lion wart on 60 Minutes, taking Trump to task when, in fact, he's had that stuff laying around for six years, Joe Biden. But I got a text from John Katsimatidis over the weekend. I think it was Saturday night. I was really surprised to get it, to be honest. And it was a truth social message. Of course, he doesn't tweet anymore. It was a truth social message that Donald Trump posted Saturday where he was taking my guy, Howard Stern, to task. And the whole truth social message basically said that Howard Stern used to be the best when he was my friend. And since he's abandoned me, which he has... And said bad things about me, which he does regularly. His show sucks, which of course is not true and stupid. Then this is really what Donald Trump he does this stuff. He loses your right there. He goes on to talk about Opie. I'm not kidding you. Back in 2000, when I got my first job ever in New York City, along with Scott Kaplan, we got the morning show at 102.7 FM WNEW. And at that time, that station was doing amazing. The radio chick was on middays, Leslie Gold doing very well. They had shows like Ron and Fez and Don and Mike. And they had an afternoon show, Opie and Anthony, that was kicking ass and beating Stern in the ratings. And their whole deal was they were the better Howard. And they had this war back and forth. The hotline is ringing. I think that's normal. They had this war back and forth between... Opie and Anthony and Howard Stern, which everybody forgot about because Opie and Anthony have long been off the air. Anthony does like his, some internet show. He's, he's calling me and Bernie all the time. And Opie does some dopey podcast, which nobody listens to. They're nothing. They're, they're, at this point, they're irrelevant. I love them, especially Anthony, but they're irrelevant. And Stern is still the king. So Trump mentions Opie because he's mad at Howard Stern. And then somebody on the text that Katsimatidi sent out some number. He's like, well, I listened to miss all those years. I never liked Stern. Let, let me explain this to you right off the bat, okay? There is no comparison between Don Imus and Howard Stern when it came to radio talent. Imus couldn't shine Stern's shoes. Not even close. Not even close. I know you hate Stern's politics. So do I. But I'm adult enough. Here we go again. I'm adult enough to give somebody credit if they deserve it, whether I like their politics or not. I mean, I worked alongside, back and forth, on and off for Don Imus for 19 years. I owe a lot of my success to this day. Not all of it because I've got the talent. But he gave me the opportunity. I'll always respect him for that. But I worked alongside Don for 19 years. I saw how he operated from 5 o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night. Not even close, talent-wise, Don and Howard. I mean, Lou, you, you made your whole career, your whole career, 30 years with Imus. 
You're not going to be silly enough to compare talent-wise I Mr. Stern, are you? No, I don't. I don't. Not compare. even close. No. I just don't. I just wouldn't. I don't make that statement. I just know that they're very different. They're very I mean, different. I Miss was great, but he yeah. wasn't. I mean, come on. No. It's, I, it, I don't think anybody. No. It's, is a, Stern. it's Stern and then everybody else. It's a, it's a huge distance. Yeah. The only guy that's even gaining on Stern is me. What? Yep. Inside yep. Edition is oh. celebrating 35 years. And I really enjoy this lady. She comes on every time the Georgia Bulldogs win a championship, which means she comes on every year now. Because <laughs> Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs and Stetson Bennett, they have figured it out. Just so you know, I send out two invites when Georgia plays in the big game. One to Deborah Norville. She always says yes. One to Ryan Seacrest. And you remember Ryan Seacrest's reaction when Kelly Ripper held my book up. <laughs> Uh, so you're not surprised that Ryan Seacrest says no every year. Kelly, uh, do, do you know that? What, <laughs> who, who is that? Kelly, put the book down. Kelly. That's Sid. Kelly. He's, got a, he's got a chapter about Trump. Put the book down, Kelly. Put the book down. Did you run this by uh, you know, uh, Gelman? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, happy anniversary to Inside Edition. Here she is, the very talented Deborah Norville. Congratulations, Deborah, on your Georgia Bulldogs. I am so – I was going – thank you, first of all. I was going crazy because they gave me a number. I literally just was on Twitter going, I can't call in because I got a wrong number. And I, don't, I didn't have a backup. It was like all my fail safe fails. I so wanted to have this conversation with you today. Um, it just, it, I was, as the score was just getting more and more and more, I mean, and for a good, what, three quarters of the game, yeah. every time the dogs took possession, we put points on the board. I mean, the bad possession was when we only scored a field goal. <laughs> um, it, was, it was just a beautiful thing. I gave up my no-carb diet. I ate an entire pizza nice. all by myself. I was so excited. <laughs> and the Bulldog Nation is, you know, we're, we're bleeding red and black. What can I say? I'm wearing red on Inside Edition today. You're going to know why. Um, I'll have some black earrings on just to, you know, set the tone. Nice. It's a beautiful thing when the dogs win. No, yeah. it is. And you become the uh, the face of the Georgia Bulldogs, which is great. And I got to tell you, I said this morning, Deborah, who, oh, by the way, you know, Margo Katsimatidis, John and Margo own this station. And Margo, yes. every time you come on, it's like, I love Deborah Norville. I guess you guys do charity work together. So, we, Yeah, she's been a pal for years and years, more than either one of us will admit. Yeah, I know. I know she's super, super lady. Uh, but I, I was watching the television uh, portion of it before, and Nick Saban was sitting there. And, you know, look, Nick's run a tremendous. During the halftime? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Alabama's been great. Can't argue that. But the last couple of years, Sweeney wins once or twice at Clemson. Now Kirby Smart, your guy, has won the last two years at Georgia. And I can tell yeah. that Nick Saban really wanted to be on that field and not behind a microphone. I can tell it bothered oh, Nick Saban. The- same thing. Didn't you think he was kind of muted sitting yes. up there? I mean, he looked he looked so sharp, had that pink tie and that blue suit. He looked awesome. But I just felt like his demeanor was a little bit sad. Yes, jerky. He's open that up. didn't make me a bit sad either. No, I actually know Nicky. I was down in Miami when he coached at Dolphins. He's not a very sweet guy, to be honest. But great coach. Alabama's had great success. Kirby Smart's a much nicer guy there, but just so you know, much nicer. Well, um, I, I I don't know either one of them. I'm I'm fans of both, but I did know Vince Dooley, and I thought one of the oh, classiest yeah. things they did during the telecast was 
they showed a clip of Dooley over the years yeah. where when he won and the thing he the, the, the interviewer said, what is it you want to do? He said, I want to go out there and hug my players. Mm. This Dooley created a culture of cohesiveness in the University of Georgia athletics program. And, and that continues today. And, mm. and the, the, the spirit of, of Coach Dooley, because we lost him this fall, the spirit of Coach Dooley is very much a part of Georgia football, and Kirby honors that, and yeah. and and we respect him for that. No, listen, I grew up with Vince Dooley, and uh, I went to Miami, so I'm a Hurricane fan, but I grew up with Coach Dooley, but I would tell you that as successful and as great as Vince was, and he was a super guy, uh, when I think of Georgia football, I think of Dooley second the guy I think of most recently lost a Senate race in the state of Georgia, and that's Herschel Walker. Yeah. Um, he did lose, and he definitely was, you know, he was the star who helped us get that um, national championship back in 1980. I was at Georgia. I was class of 80. I, I scooted out a year early, but I was there when, when Herschel was there, and we've been friends for years. Um, yeah, no, Herschel very much a part of, of Georgia football, but it was very interesting. It didn't, it didn't get him over the line, um, in the Senate race, but you know, today's not the day to talk politics. Today's the day to talk about (laughs) all those four star and five star players. I mean, how fun it's going to be for Georgia for recruiting this next few years. And that's only going to make it harder, frankly, for your friend at Alabama. No, of course. uh, Saban and and Sweeney at Clemson. And and, and I I just put a personal because that was part of that dually. They were together when they won that stuff. Believe me, the last thing I want to do is talk politics. I do it three hours and four hours a day. Um, And it was fun to just watch a football game last night and see Georgia excel. One of the things uh, that you and I talked about last time when you were on, though, as you're celebrating this 35-year anniversary for Inside Edition, and I asked you about political stories and newsy stuff and who sits down and figures out what you guys are going to cover on a regular basis. And most of your stuff is really more fun, more easy on the eye stuff than it is, you know, the nasty stuff that I do every single day. So happy anniversary and what's on the docket for Inside Edition. Well, we it, it's maybe not the nice and sweet stuff, but we're we're very much um, on top of this mysterious disappearance of 39-year-old Anna Walsh up in Boston. She's a mom who disappeared, hadn't been seen since New Year's Eve, and her husband was just arrested yesterday and was in court on charges of obstructing investigation. Um, overnight, uh, cops were going through garbage at a transfer facility in Peabody, Mass., and they found some evidence quote, linked to the case, what that might be, who knows. But this is after they found blood and a broken knife in the basement of the family home. So it doesn't appear this is a story that's going to end very well. And, of course, we're still focusing on what evidence cops have in the Idaho murders case, yeah. which has really captivated the nation. So maybe not the easy on the eye. Oh, my story, God, no. I mean... the kinds of things people, people are really interested in because, you know, you send your kids to college. You hope that they lock their doors and and that no harm becomes of them, mm. and you know it's it's a story that you know every family can can relate to because the horror of a family member gone missing or murdered is just something none of us want to contemplate. And so then we all try to solve the case right. as we watch it play out in the news. And we've all become junior detectives. Yeah, my daughter actually just started college in September, and she was home for Christmas. I just put her back on a plane last Monday to Wales. She goes right. to school in Europe. She goes to school two hours away from London, my daughter Ava. 
and uh, I'm scared wow. to death every time she leaves. I know, Deb. I'm, every time she leaves, I'm scared to death. And I talk to her a thousand times a day on WhatsApp because it's cheaper than an international call. And uh, believe me, those Idaho murders, I'm like, oh, my God, my daughter, forget about being in Idaho or Miami or Florida State or Georgia. She's in a different country. I mean, she's in Europe. So uh, that yeah. story really resonated with me. I can't imagine what those parents uh, are going through. It's got to be brutal. But I will tell you this. On a much lighter note than the two murder cases you just discussed, I have no <laughs> idea if you watch these shows or not, but I did recommend for my audience today, when I'm not watching sports or politics or you on Inside Edition, there are two shows that I watched yeah. on Netflix. Here you go. You ready, Deborah? Here we go. One is, yeah. it's for me, it's a hybrid of Sex in the City and Devil Wears Prada. It's called okay. Emily in Paris. It stars... Oh, I just finished season three. How Phil Collins' daughter, Lily Collins, how good is she? She's adorable. <laughs> She's just adorable. Right? Right? Um, yeah. You know what? When I watch her, I, I can't help but think of Audrey Hepburn. Yes! I she said the same thing! She has same elfin yes. beauty. Um, she's just delightful. Yes! Just delightful. Said the same thing. And then I finished that with my wife two days ago. Now we're on a show called... Ginny and Georgia, you have to watch it. The The relationship oh, between the mom and daughter, and I've got a daughter, we all do. Uh, Ginny and Georgia, I'm telling you, Deborah, if you liked Emily in Paris, this is darker, but it's a great show. Yeah, well, uh, okay, I'm going to put that on my list, and but I think next up for me is going to be the Jack Reacher um, latest series, because I just, I love that series. I think it's so well done. That's Cruise, right? Uh, no, that's not Tom Cruise. It's Oh, famous actor, very handsome. Um, very, very. Blank. Look it up. John Krasinski? <laughs> I can't no. remember. Is it yes, jo- John Krasinski. Oh, yeah. that's Lou Rafino who got that. Nice job, Lou. Nice job out of you. Well done. Thank you, Thank you Lou. There you Thank go. You. <laughs> Thank you, Lou. All right, so now. What, the village. There you go. So now, what do you do for the rest of the year now that Georgia football is over? You can't end any better. You win the championship by 58 points. But what does Deborah Noble do for what? fun? Yeah. You actually should have been, like, monitoring our family group text. Uh, my son, who lives and dies by the dog, said, it's so nice to watch a game and not have to worry. And I responded, I'm sitting here so excited for this win, but I'm already mourning the fact that I'm not going to have college football for six months. Right. That's how and, I felt. After the Giants won the Super Bowl, I was like, this is great. Now what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and so for the next couple of weeks, I will be focusing on the Giants and because I've given up, bless their hearts. I love the Jets, but it's just not going to happen again. Um, but we love Daniel Jones. Um, my son played football with him at Duke. Oh, really? And so we're, yeah, yeah, he was a walk on. Daniel, Daniel was also, um, Daniel was a walk on, if yes. you can believe it. Yes. As was Stetson Bennett, the fourth. I mean, let's hear it for walk on. As um, Kyle's, Kyle's group had a, a Twitter group that they they had and they called themselves the duke walk-ons and their motto was we carry the teams dot 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 gpa (laughs) that's hilarious that is great how about that yeah so we're going to cheer for the giants and hope that they you know keep going and you know it could happen um mathematically it's all possible so that'll happen but then i'm just going to go into a complete state of whatever (laughs) and i'll just have to like clean closets or something all right won't be any football well no football but um i'm not sure if you're a big baseball fan because the last time I actually did a segment on Inside Edition for you. Yes. Was believe it or not, last April when the Mets they kept early in the season. You may remember, like the first ten games, like ten yeah, different. It was good. Met, yeah, they got hit in the head with baseballs, and you sent down yeah. Allison to talk to me about Met baseball and the Mets. 
are going to win the World Series this year, Deborah. That's your next big thing. Trust me. Well, can we have you back on TV to talk about it? I would love to. It's a big deal for me to go awesome. on your show. You know that. It's a very big deal. So well, thank we you. love having you. You're thank always you. so good, and thank I always you. love being on your show. So thank you. Thank you. Well, congratulations again on the Georgia win. Thank you for coming on. You're, uh, you're beautiful. You're great. We love Inside Edition. Margot Katsimatidi sends her best, and we will uh, <laughs> talk very, very soon about Met Baseball. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll see you tonight on Channel 2 at 7. Channel 2 at 7, Inside Edition, celebrating 35 years. Check Deborah Norville out. She'll be wearing red and black earrings for her Georgia Bulldogs. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Good stuff out of Deborah. More sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC, right after this. Is sit in friends in the morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. You know, Quasimodo predicted all this. Who did what? All these problems, the Middle East, the end of the world. Nostradamus. Quasimodo's the hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, right. Nostradamus. Nostradamus and Notre Dame. It's two different things completely. Interesting, though, to be so similar, isn't it? And I always thought, okay, hunchback in Notre Dame. You also got your quarterback and your halfback in Notre Dame. One's a cathedral. Obviously, I know. I'm just saying. It's interesting, the coincidence. What? You're going to tell me you never pondered that? The back thing with Notre Dame? No. That's a great scene. The late, great Jim Gandolfini and Steve Sharippa. The very first ever episode of The Sopranos. First ever. Actually aired 24 years ago tonight on HBO. And who knew it would be what it became? Nobody. I don't think David Chase knew it. Certainly Gandolfini didn't know it. My dear friend Mike Sullivan didn't know it. Mike's had a whole life because of that show. All those great years with... Tony Sirico, and now, of course, he's very close with Stephen Van Zandt. I tried to get Van Zandt on this morning to talk about the anniversary, but he's ready for this, Lewis. He's rehearsing with Bruce. So, kind of cool. On the, get on the phone and call. Him. Yeah, not Bruce right now. On. They're probably hey, who's that calling? Thunder Road right now. Or, that, yeah. yeah, I think we know that one <laughs> by now. <laughs> I'll be flying out to uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida to watch those guys perform live. I got a call yesterday from one of the big wigs. Radio here in New York, CBS, who offered me the Miami studios, which I'm going to take advantage of for two mornings, while I shoot down 
to Fort Lauderdale to hang out with Bruce and the band at the Hard Rock, my friend Jim Allen. That's going to be really exciting coming up the um, right before the Super Bowl and the week before the movie screening for Gemini Lounge, which will be a Monday night, the 13th. So uh, congratulations to the Sopranos, all the living cast members. 24 years ago today, the magic all started. You know who died also uh, yesterday? And I mentioned this about two hours ago. These ladies were on the show quite a bit with me and Bernie. He's gone too, God rest his soul. At the old um, Madison Square Garden studios. That was Diamond and Silk. When those two ladies hit the scene, black ladies, Trump supporters, that was a rarity, to say the least. And they were hilarious, both of them, so much, they got their own TV show, Diamond and Silk. Well, Diamond, is Diamond the one who passed away? Diamond, right? right. Well, according to Justin. Yeah, I, I think I it's Diamond. Okay. I right. think she was 51, which is young. I don't know how she died or from what, but God rest her soul. They, they, they were great with me and Bernard. I mean, great. And uh, we'll miss him. Or uh, her, I should say. So, God rest uh, Diamond Soul. And all we've talked about today, outside of all the big political stories, and some fun stuff as well, is aging rock and roll artists and dead people. <laughs> I mean, that's where our lives are going. I mean, we're like, we're like 10 minutes away, me and you, Lou, from a 3.30 p.m. dinner, Atlantic Avenue, Delray Beach, shuffleboard at like 12.30 I could see MJ taking some type of, like, synchronized swimming class at (laughs) 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) I'm not almost there. I'm there. Yeah, I know you're there. I'm there. You drive to these, you know, really desolate spots in upstate New York where nobody goes. You love them, too, so shut up. I don't love them. I hate them. I hate them with a passion. And I hate you for going there. Why do you you hate Because it makes me angry. Because I, I know you don't want to go, but you're such a wussy. No, I love And going. MJ calls the shots. No, I love No, going. you don't. I love going. And then you got to go with her family, which I know you're not thrilled about. <laughs> I, I do. I'm thrilled about oh, it. You're such a wuss. Why are you instigating him so what, much? What instigating? Because, he's, because you, he's jealous. You're just saying this to get him I'm mad. I'm jealous of hanging out with MJ's family with a bunch of gullium no, and for popping a binkle sh- in upstate New York? You're jealous that I'm going to a nice area. No, it's not a nice area. It's it's broke and desolate and boring. You're thinking of where your mom is. Oh, yeah. No, my mom. Lives in White Lake Estates with very wealthy Jews. Thank you. Okay, well, she's six miles away it. from Monticello. Right. That's a whole other story. I don't go near Monticello. Oh well, you're going is is right there also. Oh, it's it isn't. Do you it's realize, meth heaven. Do you meth re- heaven. Realize Katona is one of the richest areas in New yeah, York. Yeah, but you're State. five minutes outside of like some other horrible city. We're we're we're, we're in a horrible <laughs> city right now. <laughs> True. What are you talking and about? And what are you talking about, Bill? You live in Bushwick. I'm not saying anywhere is bad. You're the one that's saying you're very critical. Fine. Okay, fine. He's Stop yelling at me. Right, I'm sorry. not jealous. Where, you where understand? You I like the sun. I like the warmth. There's nothing about Catatona, New York, in January that makes me jealous. You know what makes me jealous? When I hear my friends, I got a text this morning. I'm at the Breakers in Palm Beach. I'm jealous. I don't get why you're so jealous of Lou for going. It's really not that special. I'm not jealous. Go I hate the you place. Want. You, you have to be so a, jealous. Get in a car and drive up. It takes I don't want to go anywhere. You can anywhere. go there whenever you want. I don't want to go there. That's I, not true. I want to go to Florida that's not with true. the old Jewish people, and I want to eat dinner early and go to the beach all day, and that's it. You're going to get to go to Florida soon, no? You live at a no. beach. I live at a beach, and my pipes froze, and I can't even live there anymore because it was too damn cold. Your what li- kind of beach is that? Your living room is a beach at this point. <laughs> right. Exactly. My living room is... Shut up, Phil. Sorry. It's funny, though. Kind of, because insurance is paying for it. Or else yeah, so no, funny. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, you would not take that joke no. too well, if not. 
you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit up Katsimatidis any day now for one of these uh, apartments at his uh, new building in St. Petersburg. Um, congratulations. He in said Russia? $240 million. <laughs> yes, in Russia. That's oh, right. wow. Yeah. Yes. I love the Russians. Um, it was all me. The whole Russian collusion thing was me. It wasn't Trump. It was me. There's no beaches there. It's not that warm. No. He's uh, in Florida. It's a beautiful, beautiful building he's got there, John Katsimatidis. And I need to get a place in Florida somewhere. I don't know. I don't have a place anymore there. So. You can go to Brighton Beach. I already have an apartment in John's building in Coney Island, right by Brighton Beach. Oh, that is right. The Ocean Drive building. I'm in apartment 22A. I lent it to Dom for a couple of days, but it's my apartment. But I want an apartment in his Florida building. Now I'm jealous of you. When are you going to go to Florida? You're too busy. Well, I'm only going for a couple of days for the Springsteen concert. I'm going to do the show, this show, because I won't miss it, from the uh, studios in Miami for two days. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Who's gonna, you're not going to have producers nearly as good as us, though. Better. And, and Lou's not going to be on the board. They're so going to be better. Yeah, right. yeah. Of course Lou is going to be on the board. What are you talking oh, yeah, about? Yeah, I forgot. It is, right? He's just... okay. <laughs> such no, an idiot. No, I'm uh, going to be with Springsteen. <laughs> no. yeah, well, who's running the show? Yes, Lou who's will be on the, the board. I, I will be uh, somewhere in Miami Gardens Drive in a building, but you will be on the show still, Bill. And Lou I will is... be here? Yes. Oh. It's amazing how technology works. I've never heard of this. Well, I got a big <laughs> VIP party Monday night with Jim Allen and the band that no one else was invited to first, and then the concert's Tuesday. No one's no invited? One? Just no you two? I mean, it's just it's a very small, very, <laughs> very small. It's, now it's small. So how yeah. small? Three? Four I invited people? the mayor, Eric Adams, but... Um, he might go. Bo got upset. Oh, of course. He loves yeah. going on vacation. Oh, I should say. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I did invite the mayor to my movie screening right away. Danielle's like, you haven't even invited your mother yet. You haven't even invited your mother to her own son's movie screening, and you're inviting the mayor? So I had to delete the text, but it was too late. You already got it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. All right. Uh, give me traffic last time. You invited That's actually unbelievable. What? What's your mother? I'll invite Naomi later. Wow. She's no, fine. Not later. You can't. The woman raised you. I know. Danielle's like, if there's only one seat, if they give you one seat, are you going to take your mom or the mayor? I'm like, I got to take the mayor. No. You, no. Really you want a response. Yes, I want a response. The response is no. I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay. With my Let me ask Joe Nolan. He seems to have a decent head on his shoulders. Yeah, sure he does. <laughs> hey, Nolan. Uh, hold on. My friend Marie, uh, Mary, Mary Ortizio just sent me a picture of the Jimmy Gandolfini rest stop. She's there yeah. right now in New Jersey paying homage to the Sopranos, I swear to God. Yeah, it's on the parkway, all the way at the top of the parkway. The most northern one is... It, it, uh, it's by that last city uh, in, in Jersey, by uh, Rockland County. Uh, yeah, um, right up there, yeah. What's that called? Uh, um, Dolores lived there for Mont a while. Modville, very good, yes. You, um, my mother or the mayor? Who do I take to the... Well, uh, you already invited the mayor. I know, but I can so tell you him... you can't back out of that. I can't? You got to wait until he backs out, and then you can invite your mother. And if he doesn't back out, and he goes then, instead of my then, mother, then your poor mother's going to be up there in Rockland County by herself. Oh my God, this looks terrible, doesn't it? It does actually. <laughs> well, thanks for the help, Joe. How about traffic, you bastard? <laughs> I can see Springsteen dedicating a song to her right there. That's right. <laughs> And you can great. tape it on your uh, iPhone right. and email it to her. The Jersey girl uh, can send it to oh, my mother, my Naomi. <laughs> hey, who's not here? All right, this is for the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> now, it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take. Sid's Take, yeah. Good luck. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. All right, here we go. Off and running. Two for Tuesday. Sid's Take, the new trivia game. 
here on the morning show. And uh, we're ready to go. Freddie is our contestant in Chatham. Hey, Freddie. Hey, Fred. Oh, Fred's not there yet. Is Fred there now? Good morning. Good morning. Oh, hey, Fred. Hello. Hey. Yes, good morning. Do you mind if I call you Fred? That's fine. Great. Okay. Well, Fred, are you ready for today's game? Ready as I'll ever be. All right. Two for Tuesday. Do you know what that means? Did you listen last Tuesday? No, I didn't understand that part, but I understand what a quiz game is. So no, no, I, I got you. But, but I, I want to—I I know—I want to just explain the rules to you though, real quick. I'm going to give you two song names, and then you're going to—you're going to give me the artist, or you know, who made the song. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Great, got it. All right, you ready for number one? Thank you. Go ahead. Okay, here we go. Your first two songs are "Paint It Black" and "Jumpin' Jack Flash." The Rolling Stones. Hey. Very nice. Frederick. One for one. You can't on the, call him Frederick. He oh, didn't he, say, didn't, he didn't give he me permission. He didn't give me consent. Frederick. Okay. You got to clear that one for you me. You can call me Frederick. All right. Yeah. Freddy, Frederick, Fred. Yeah, Depends what? on how much time we have. Right. It's not your name. What do you care? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Fred. Uh, your, your second uh, two songs here. Hey, 19 and My Old School. Can you say the second one again? What is it? My Old School. Right, it sounds from my, I think it's 70s. Uh, is it Steely Dan? Wow. <laughs> two for two. Very nice, Fred. Now on to number three here. Trying to stay perfect. Your two songs are Follow You, Follow Me, and No Reply at All. Right, 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 right. Uh, God. It, it, I, it sounds like Genesis. Right? Spectacular. <laughs> Huh. You're suspiciously good at guessing, Fred. Oh, I see. Your 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 skepticalness just came out. Mm-hmm. I see. It's okay. All right. I believe him All for right. the time being. Fred, are you ready for number four? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay. Your two songs are "Ashes to Ashes" and "Sound and Vision." I think that's '90s stuff. No, uh, give it to me. Uh, give it to me, Fred. Give it to is me. Is it Bowie? I think Bowie, right? Spectacular. It sounds like Bowie. <laughs> well, from 90s to Bowie. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. We're, right. just, we're listening close. I'm listening very I'm waiting for the keyboard tapping. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> On to number five, Fred. You're four for four. They're if you get this right, I know you're cheating. Here we go. Two. Oh, yeah. Okay. Two, your two okay. songs are Fell on Black Days and Black Hole Sun. Oh, Black Hole Sun. That was Soundgarden. That's nice. Okay, he could he, he could know. Maybe that one, the, the the Bowie one. You know, he went from sounds like nineties to wait. Is that David? Bowie? We'll take it. We'll take it, Fred. Well, you, went, you know, my mind works very fast. Well, I can see that. I can see that. I'm uh-huh. skeptical. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. skeptical. All right, come on in. You're okay. big. Here we go. All right, big guy's on his way back in here. He says, "We'll get back to you." Justin, go to his house and check his search history. Yeah, Fred suspiciously went five for five. I'm not really sure. Actually, don't check his search history. How that you don't works. want to see. Noam Layden, who I respect uh, a ton, is out in the newsroom, and he claims the guy was definitely cheating. He was deaf, right? Well, why did you give him time to Google it? Then? I didn't Noam give him is, time. He Noam was is like really an investigative quick. journalist too. So he was yeah. really Noam quick. Now, Noam, if Noam went to, he, he would have found the safe. You would have found the monsters. I, I, in, listen, instead of Geraldo, Lou, Lou can attest. I was suspicious the whole time. I was suspicious before they even got suspicious. Suspicious is great. This is well, he's, he's convinced the guy cheated. This game is incredibly easy to cheat on. Uh, let's do this. Uh, at the very least. The 
game is now. What do you call it when, like, at the end of the game, you're like... Uh, it's an asterisk. There's an asterisk. No, no, you, you put the... You, you, under protest? Protest. The game is under protest. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Lewis. Thank okay, you. we'll take this to the, uh, the uh, I don't know, yeah, the, the we'll committee. Like the nurses. Well, where's yeah, sure. the guy from who I'm playing against? Chatham. Oh, he definitely cheated. Yeah, that's it. Chatham, What's that course. supposed to mean? Well, he did, he did the old fake out, too. He because tried, he, uh, the Brooklyn people don't cheat. And, 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 yeah. Oh. What? But Chatham people what, cheat. What are you talking about? They just huh? kill. Hello? <laughs> they don't cheat. Right. But, he was, but he was trying to deke us. He kept, no, he kept go. 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 play the damn game. All right. You're the one, you're the one rambling on about well, it. Well, Gnome said the guy cheated. Not then, yeah, Gnome's right. All right. All right, number one. Your two songs are Paint It Black and Jumpin' Jack Flash. Rolling Stones. Yeah. Uh, I think Sid's cheating. You're cheating. I think Sid's cheating. He's looking it up. You don't know that one. <laughs> that was a genuine eye roll, too. You remember the great Michael Keaton in the movie Night Shift? No. You like music, kid? Eh, eh, eh. Remember that? He played uh, Bill Blazdowski in the morgue with Henry Winkler. Hello. Just, just Hello. <laughs> Hello. All right. Here we go. Number two. Cheating. Your two songs are Hey 19 and oh, My Silly Old Dance. School. Come on, it's his birthday today. That's Rita Franklin. Two for two. Hey 19. That's a great song. If you go five for five, you win the game, okay? Fine. All right. Your two songs are Follow You, Follow Me, and No Reply At All. Oh, uh, 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 Genesis. Hey, now. They are smart. See, I mentioned Lily Collins is the star of Emily in Paris, Phil Collins' daughter. Uh, Donald Fagan's birthday is today, Steely Dan. What was the first one? Rolling Stones. I don't know why that came into play That one today. was just there. It was okay. an easy one. All right, so far, you're following the theme of the show, which is very smart. Very it's good, like Phil. like I work here. Very good, Phil. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. Phil's smart, man. Well, you know. He's, Phil it's, is very it's, smart. It's literally part and of his job very, to sit by there. The way, very well endowed. I was in the bathroom. Oh, my today. goodness. Number don't four. check my search history. <laughs> well, I can tell you that's because Phil cheats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I'm in Brooklyn now. I can't cheat. Number four. All right, number four. Your two songs are Ashes to Ashes and Sound and Vision. Oh, my God. I lost. I think I really lost. Come on, ashes think to of the ashes. Sh- show theme. Show theme. Uh, ashes to ashes. Uh, uh, Black Sabbath. Oh, what oh. does it have to do with today's show? <laughs> David Bowie. Yes. Oh man, I only know like three Bowie songs. I know the one. Uh, I know changes. I know Hero, uh, the heroes, one he, heroes. heroes. <laughs> I know the one he did with uh, what's his it's name? Under um, pressure. Under pressure. The, I know okay. the one he made out with Mick Jagger dancing in the streets. I know the one, uh, the spaceship one. What do you call that? Um, Space oddity. Yes. Otherwise, I don't know. Ashes to ashes. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was only on the radio for 45 years. Blame sorry. Phil. He wrote the game. Right. All right. It's all right. I'm a genius. I, I suck. All right. Left. Number five, just for um, good measure here. Your two songs are Fell on Black Days and Black Hole Sun. Black Hole Sun. Won't you come? come? The great Chris Cornell who killed himself. That would be Soundgarden. Nice. What you have to right. that? That, by the way, he had one of the greatest voices ever, and he killed himself. And then after he killed himself, the lead singer of Linkin Park killed himself because yeah, Chris Bennington. Cannell killed himself. That's right. Yeah. All right. Wow. All right. So the guy won five four, but he cheated, so he doesn't get any prizes. We'll come back right after this. <laughs> <laughs> Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
There it is. No reply at all in today's Sid's Take game, which people love. I'm getting a ton of very positive feedback, and they agree with what I thought was the case, which was the other two games were boring. And uh, this one works because you never know from one day to the next what we'll be talking about. Today was music. Yesterday was movies. Could be sports on a Friday, drinks, food. We don't know. But it does appeal to a much bigger audience than presidents and sports, which is what we're doing in the past. Uh, Phil Collins' daughter, Lily Collins, Emily in Paris, love her. Check it out. Deborah Norville loves it, too. And everybody loves it. Everybody loves it. Not one person who saw it. Now, there are guys that just won't see it because, like I said yesterday, they're all caught up in this macho man nonsense. You can't watch that section. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. I don't care. Some people just don't have the time. No, that's not true. Okay, they don't right. say enough of the time. They're like, that's, well, where'd you drop off your man card? Like, that's the dumbest thing. Like, you got to get over that. You gotta oh, do I need to buy a, a new pair of panties to watch Right, it? exactly. Like, get over that. You, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I got, I got 19 Neil Diamond songs. I, I'm married to a gorgeous girl. I pump about 300 pounds on the bench. Don't tell me about what it's like to be a man, okay, stupid? You can listen to Neil Diamond, watch Emily in Paris. You can enjoy Bocelli like I do. Doesn't make you more of a man because you have a Black Sabbath T-shirt. But what if you hop in a hot tub with the mayor? That makes you a, a, a big time man. Okay. No. Yeah. yeah, Alan sniffing. Oh, here comes Curtis Lee show with twelve. You, I love these people too. They go, Curtis killed you today every day. I go, I don't care. <laughs> Curtis really killed you today. Like, who cares? Like, I love Curtis Lee. I love him. He's a seal. He's a circus act. He's a seal. He's great. He's great for radio. That's what we need. He happens to get ratings. Second to me, him and Frank. Second to me, he's a really good act. But I couldn't care less what he's talking It doesn't matter to me. I care. I mean, come on. The rat czar? <laughs> Walking around with feral cats? Calling me out? Come on. God bless him. I love him. I bring him on twice a week. I bring him on twice a week because he's entertaining, not because I take anything he says seriously. So don't bother sending me a text later. Oh, my God, Curtis just killed you. Of course he did. It's all he's got. Come on, this is Gemini Lounge. Yeah. Oh, that'll be the next one today now. I knew those guys and the Jew Chris Rosenberg and... <laughs> ay, ay, ay. Thank God I'm here for Curtis. He'd have no show. What the hell would he talk about? It's on the message board. Check it out. <laughs> it's on the message. I think they like him on the message. They like Greg Kelly on the message board. I know that. That's all you need to know. Okay, great. That's, yeah, that's all you need to know, Super. folks. That's all you need to know. Super. He's a great actor, and Sid would be better doing sports. I mean, can't break. Right. First time long time, Sid. Yeah, let's go. Uh, we're done. Great job today. Uh, Lou Rafino, as always, tremendous Macedonia. Phil, outstanding job. Justin Ellick, Deb Valentine, pro of pros. Norm Layton, you're great, too. We'll all be back tomorrow. Peter King and others. Big show coming up. Enjoy your Tuesday in New York City, folks. Till tomorrow at 6. From all of us on Sitting Friends in the Morning to all of you. Peace! I've been hearing a lot about Lang Insurance. They sell luxury home insurance to high net worth individuals in all 50 states. Call Kevin Lang at Lang Insurance. Call 866-964-4434. He's an expert in reviewing your current coverage to save you money, leaving you with your current insurance company or moving you to a less expensive one. Kevin speaks with every new client. Your call, they quote, you save. That's 866-964-4434 or visit Lang. I- INS.com.